Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we unleash the underworld yet again when Arun weaves his tales of wonder and woe with updates to his grinding breach lists. Has he finally cracked it? Have the new sets delivered just what the deck needed? Have a sip of your Blink Moth Tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Episode 26 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from a space just outside of time. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is a man who is rumored to have prevented the underworld breach during the War of the Spark by sticking his thumb in the hole between our world and the underworld, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing really well. It's nice to be back. Nice to see both you and Zach. And you know, it's been, seems like it's been a while. I think it's only been a month, but feels like a lot more than a month. Just been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of, uh, yeah, just seeing a little bit of Oregon, going back home, seeing friends and family, uh, you know, very, very wonderful. But it is, you know, it is nice to be back in fall and to kind of be back in Oregon again and just, you know, get to stay here for a little bit. Not too much travel in the future. And yeah, just focus on uh, focus on my work and focus on this podcast, playing a little magic. Woo! Yeah, it's always good to travel, but then it's always really good to be back home. Oh, it, it's it's wild. You know, it's like I do love to travel. Wonderful to see friends, but just... You get back and knowing like, okay, you know, I don't, especially all of my friends, most of my friends and family are East. And so it's a full day to get there, you know, just like three mm-hmm. hour times difference, five hour, five to six hour flight, all that stuff. And sometimes there's just a lot of peace of mind getting back to Portland being like, okay, you know, I don't have to travel again until maybe once in October. And then, you know, maybe in December for Christmas. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Yep. Sometimes you get back from travel and you need a vacation from your vacation. Always, always. I could. I need a vacation for my vacation for my vacation. Honestly, I'd take that. <laughs> also joining us is a ghostwriter of the Underworld Cookbook, Asmaran Namartika Dyston Akuldazak. How are you, Zach? I, I'm just flabbergasted because uh, I just didn't expect anyone to do the research and find out that I was associated with that book. But it does explain my pronunciation skill on the author's the actual author's name. It also explains the MTG Kitchen. You've been at oh, it, it does, for yeah. It's actually funny. Before. I was, I was, I was looking, I was looking at doing like a tie-in for that when MH2 came out and and doing the whole Randy Rootwalla thing. And I had a lot of ideas percolating at the beginning of the MH2 season, but uh, I just like wasn't wasn't prepared on a lot of axes to like execute on those ideas. I've used little bits and pieces of that from uh, from here and there, but yeah, it's a uh, world world's world's been good. World's been good. Um, Everything's just cooking along really nicely this week, and Modern is uh, doing well. Got to do Hell a, yeah. a little guest guest plug on Woo. Serum Visions this week for that. And uh, you mean on Faithless Brewing? It. We are Faithless. I know. We are, we are Serum <laughs> I Visions. Know. And uh, and uh, it's uh, it's looking like the trophy race has uh, settled into a pretty foregone conclusion at this point. Uh, we are two days from the from the end of that. And uh, Y Prince P is up by I think yes three trophies. Uh, so it's, it's no. The same as what he, yeah, he ripped ahead to forty one versus Spike's thirty eight. Um, 
And the only other exciting thing here is Tunneling Cat versus Silent Sea Song for the third place. Uh, Silent Sea Song, who's been playing a lot of Cascade and uh, yeah, and similar decks, uh, just just started ripping, and I think got five, six, seven trophies just all this week. Well, Tunneling Cat is uh, struggling a little bit to uh, so- keep the keep them going with e-tron she's been on the bubble to get another trophy like three or four times it just not not been able to make it which is yeah. obviously really frustrating i feel um, that and Wait, then Kursu, one, one question i have like so board. if spike loses this trophy race it's going to cost him two grand right or just something two thousand usd yes um yeah. i believe it's actually going to cost him about sixteen hundred or twelve hundred because he's paying for subs he's going to get money back because oh. it's on his channel so he gets some of the money back so oh. it, it is but like it's certainly not it's certainly Cheap. not like he's getting it all back i, I yeah. mean maximum i think he, he might get uh like 60 to 70 percent of it back if that's like because I, I don't know exactly what the the split for partners is uh, on twitch versus the the subs but yeah it's uh it's interesting um so Dang. that's it's, it's actually going to cost him at least like 800 dollars, right like at bare minimum it's going to cost him 800 bucks Woo. Good luck to Spike. I'm still cheering for him. I believe in Spike. I mean, as I said, I think he could definitely have won it or been in a better position to win if he had been more willing to um, just, like, commit to it instead of continuing to do his normal stream thing. But kudos to him for not doing that because I really don't think that it would have made his stream uh, a better environment. And generally speaking, his numbers... Like, I'm really interested to see how the hype... Um, converts to once this trophy race is over like i watched his numbers per week on weekdays average go from like about a thousand to 1200 to like 1600 like all week this week in the middle of a work day right so uh i think that this definitely actually generated a lot of good traffic um and you know excitement and investment and uh and that's what i wanted to do with this week in modern so uh Hopefully that is able to continue into the next season. Probably not right away, but uh, as we get to the halfway point and then near the end of the next season, it'll be exciting to see if we can uh, build that up again. I, I actually think there's been a lot of people saying, like, I want to go for it next season. Like, I, I've, I've heard that statement from a number of streamers just popping into different streams, and obviously not all of them are actually going to be able to commit to that, but we'll see. Like, I've never heard that before uh, in the same way. Well, yeah, this is... that'd be exciting. <laughs> This is basically as close as we've gotten to high-level competitive play in, what, two years now? <laughs> For modern, I mean, yes. I, 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 I there, joke a little bit. There have been like... one-off events, but one of the nice things is having something that you can invest in over the course of weeks and months, mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, like a sports team's season. Um, like People like that kind of long-term commitment where it's like, oh, yeah, well, we're behind this week, but like we'll rally back. And like you get to have these, um, you know plot lines where you know individual people were doing well early but they fall off late and then people come out of nowhere and like it's it's got that very like sports season kind of vibe to it i think it would be really interesting to see the conversion numbers um you know like how many leagues are people playing versus how many trophies they have right because right now we just know that's just impossible yeah yeah absolutely we 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 have to be self-reported but yeah it would be interesting. I, I don't even know if wizards can access that data for sure they have it in some form <laughs> or function but whether or not they built the client to be searchable on that access i i don't know i doubt it i i bet they did i also 
while we are on the topic of wizards and having their data, I do just need to remind everybody that uh, Void Mirror and Modern Horizons 2 was printed because Wizards of the Coast has matchup percentage data and they looked at their data and they determined that even though everyone thought Etron was a meme, that for a significant period of time, Etron was the best deck in the format with regards to win rate against other top decks. And so they printed Void Mirror specifically to hose Etron because they saw the data that Etron was winning a lot. Uh, really? Which, you know, I just, I think it's hilarious and amazing. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I, that's, I have that's no, funny. I have no opinion either way. I just love that, you know, we all dunk on Etron and turns out Wizards has the thousands of match data, has the biggest database of match just percentages. And, oh, you know, it turns out Etron was top deck for a big chunk of time. Do you, do you think that there's any connection there between the fact that Etron is generally underrepresented and its win rate was so high? Like, like the old KCI thing of like the only people playing it are the people who are actually winning with it because everyone else just tries it once and quits. I mean, that could definitely, I think that could be a, that could be a part two. Like, like the people who play Etron, you know, like, like to play Etron. It's not to get, I'm just, right. I mean, you were an Etron, you were an E-boy for a little bit, Zach. I do remember this. I, I still am. It. I mean, it's, it's tough in, in, in this meta. Like even the best players are struggling, right? Like it's even more poor, poorly positioned right now, I think, than it has been at other times where it's mm. been poorly positioned. Um, and I, I just like I just like to move around a lot, just generally speaking. Like yeah, I'm yeah. just addicted to 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 moving on to new new decks for the moment. Um, uh, hopefully this season I'm gonna try to do a thing where I just pick one archetype per week and just try to go deeper on it. Um, mm. And I'll see if I can sustain that. Um, but, yes, uh, <laughs> I like it. Sounds um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just want to do it to myself, just to force me out of my comfort zone and and see if I can actually get get deep on some other concepts uh, with gameplay. Because the cursory glances, you know, at decks is is uh, it's it's one way to experience magic. But I want to see if I can commit and uh, go deep on stuff. Um, nice. But it, it'll be interesting to see. But that that's actually really interesting to know that they had that that note. Was that in one of the the like development columns with like Melissa yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it was. Or no, I think it was Sam in Black. one of. Yeah, well, it was two. Wizards mentioned it at first, like any kind of in passing in an article. But I don't think anybody mm. saw that. But then recently, actually, I do got to plug this too. Uh, Dominaria's judgment this week was just like a four or five hour podcast. It's just Ari. That's Ari and. Uh, Ari Locks and Dom yeah. Harvey. Ari and Dom just interviewing, yeah. you know, just like all the progenitors of modern and the people who played in Pro Tour Philly and like their thoughts on the. It's really, it's a wonderful oral history, very much akin to uh, Mark Rosewater's uh, This Week in Magic or like, or Drive to Work. Yeah, that one. Drive to Work. Yeah. And uh, this, so, this Week in Magic is a podcast, I found out. Oh, how funny. But like, so I, Sam. I've never heard of it before, but it's still, it's still going. So when, when I was listening to uh, Dominator's Judgment, Sam mentioned that, you know, just. Uh, Wizards was very insistent that Etron is like the best. They have all this data, and that Etron was the best deck. So Sam mentioned it again too. So this is from two different sources, two different, <laughs> two different, different sources. Uh, so huh. it seems yeah. like, <laughs> seems like we all missed the window to play Etron, except Kaya, who was crushing it. And uh, there was Lapless John for a while, and thirteen uh, uh, F Mateus, F Mateus thirteen. I, I forget exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, Mateus. Is, he, yeah, I've had won, a... He won a challenge with it. Had a lot of matches against Mateus. Popular for a little while. Yeah. Anywho, Brian, do you have some kind of announcement about our our little podcast here, the little podcast that could? 
Yeah, we uh, just passed our first birthday. At least we Woo! just passed the billing date when I first paid for podcast hosting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and as episode 26, uh, and also uh, you know being bi-weekly, that would make this the, uh, the one-year marker, although I think we're actually a little bit over due to having missed a week or, or whatever, letting schedule slide. But uh, we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary. Woo! Woohoo! Um, That's excitement. So, uh, as a celebration, I have picked up a little something here. I have a uh, secret layer seeing visions. That is um, one of the first secret layers that includes four copies of the card Serum Visions, a little card you may have heard of. Um, and we will be giving this away. Uh, unfortunately, though, due to the legal minefield that is international law, this giveaway will only be open to residents of the United States. I know we do actually have a lot of listeners abroad, so for this I apologize, but you can take this up with your local governments because it turns out <laughs> that uh, I, I, I looked and there's just, it's it's literally a minefield. Um, so for I those just want to thank you... you for being litigious because I would have just done it and not thought about it and probably nothing would go wrong, but yeah. good for you. Good for I you. I mean, th- that's where I am too. I, I honestly think that like we could probably just give this away internationally. Oh yeah. I mean, we're, we're fine. two small potatoes, but exactly. yeah. you know, but, uh, but, but, but good stuff, you know, no yeah. reason not to do it. So I apologize to all the uh, Canadian fans that I'm sure we have all two of you, um, <laughs> Hey, we Ouch. we have um, we have a lot of Europeans. Uh, I you know I've looked at our, our metrics and we have listeners in Norway and Sweden and Sweet. Um, yeah Ireland. Uh, I forget where else, but yeah we we have a lot of uh, abroad listeners. So I apologize to all of you, but if you are a U.S. citizen um, or resident, I suppose uh, tag us on Twitter at Serum Visions MTG with your favorite brew. And you will be automatically entered to win. Um, so the uh, the contest is going to run uh, through September 26th. And on September 26th, when we are recording, I will randomly select uh, one of the Twitter handles. And uh, I will contact you directly to get your information so that I can mail out the secret layer within two to four weeks. So Yay. again... Exciting. Uh, if you want to enter, tag at Serum Visions MTG with your favorite brew uh, between now and September 26th. Awesome. Very nice. So, that's exciting. But you know what else is exciting? Spoilers! Yes, there is a new magic set releasing. It feels like... Already? How? No, oh, it's been so long since Ma- Modern Horizons two released. It's been it's been so uh, long without AFR another set. Was after that. What's AFR? Uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Yes, oh, I did yeah. forget about it. Wait, it's also yeah. a zing. It's also uh, <laughs> I, I should have gone with it was a bad uh, early two thousands like pop metal band. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. AFR, uh, AFI, AFI. Oh yeah, uh, that makes sense. No, AFR is actually, I, I have liked some of the cards from the set. Um, I, I think there's some neat stuff in there. And uh, yeah, I think that there's some, what is the new one called? Midnight Hunt? Ingenious Smith and Portable Hole were the, the sort, of, sort of two standouts, with obviously Smith being the more visible one, and Portable Hole kind of having this awkward spot of, it's only really good in, in artifact-dense decks that yeah. want the white removal card. So 
Um, I actually so. I, I think Den of the Bugbear is a bit of a sleeper. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. I, and uh, Hall of Storm Giants has been, has been big. Yeah. It's been picked yep, up yep. some control lists, yeah. Blue Moon and, uh, and some others. So, well, yeah, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that, that, uh, that's floating around just waiting to be picked up a little louder. But, I mean, they, they clearly, like, it was uh, replacing a core set. It felt like it was at a core set power level. And yep. the limited format was amazingly fun, in my opinion. I, I, I've heard lots of complaints from people who deal with uh like just like streaming the limited format only on arena and stuff like that about it eventually getting kind of dull but i think that kind of happens with most limited formats unless they're like uh, a modern horizons modern masters kind of one where it's like mind-bendingly complex yeah um, all right that makes sense so zach so kind of getting us back so innistrad spoilers yeah. uh yeah absolutely are, which ones are you what which ones are you most excited for or most interested in well if we're talking about ones that are going to be competitive in modern that I think really have a shot at, you know, cracking into the, the top of the metagame, uh, I don't think there's too much other than uh, a lot of people have talked about this uh, Faithful Mending card. Mm. I have no idea where that's going to end up. I think that's almost definitely the best card in the set. So that's white, blue, instant. You gain two life, draw two cards, discard two cards. Um, so that's on an A side. It's uh, instant speed, faithless looting. Um, and it also has flashback for one white blue. So the biggest deal for this is like, I think a lot of people have commented on things like Esper Reanimator. Yep. It's just generally going to be good card uh, selection in a blue white. Um, and I think that gain two life on both the A side and the B side is going to be probably more significant than Definitely. people think. It has to be. Um, like, it's card disadvantage without it. It is. I mean, but card selection is not. Um, well, yeah, it, like it depends on what you're putting in your graveyard. I, I think, I think it's a it's a complicated card. We're just gonna have to see the deck it goes in because yep. on its own, it's definitely not like super powerful, right? It's nope. not like you look at that card and you're like, oh, this is so busted. But it's like we know the kind of kind of decks that will be built. I think that because it's in blue white, uh, and maybe this is uh, this is my you know somewhat um, romantic uh, you know predisposition. Like I, I want to believe in all of the cards. I think they're all beautiful and wonderful in their own way. Um, but being in blue white, I think actually gives it a leg up because you can play it with things like Snapcaster Mage. So the things that you're throwing into the yard are you know yes, it is card disadvantage in the strictest sense of the term but if you're planning on making use of those cards by you know having pitched something that you want in the graveyard or having a card that can make use of those cards in the graveyard then it is you know a lot less uh card disadvantage than the strictest sense of the term and yeah, yeah. i think you know being in blue white that ups the chances that you're going to be playing things you know like snapcaster mage or whatever um I, I, I think that this might actually end up occupying a slightly different space than Faithless Looting did, uh, where you know, it, it's not going to be for things like, um, you know, Vengevine Turn decks. two Grizzlebrand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more gold cards I'm looking at. Uh, so the full spoiler just kind of got dropped this week, and uh, as usual... A lot of these cards were never individually spoiled, or if they were, it was too close to the end for us to get, like, oh, look at this one new card that came out this hour. Um, that, so Zach, I would... Yeah, so why... I think a big question, something that I'm really curious about uh, your thoughts on, 
which cards are you most interested in brewing? Like, which ones do you, not the ones that you think will be best, but, like, which cards interest you the most? Yeah, yeah. The blue legendary creature, uh, Leer, Disciple of the Drowned. So that's three blue, blue, legendary creature, human wizard. Spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. I don't actually have any idea what I would want to do with this. I just, I just like the card. Sick um, design. really, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of Kess Dissident Mage. I love Kess Dissident Mage, which is legal and modern and never seen. Um, so that would be, like, the card that I'm excited by. And there's a few other janky ones, but, like, there's just a bunch of janky stuff that I that, that interests me, that piques my interest. I don't know if I'll get to brewing or, or, or uh, playing with any actual modern decks with these, but I'm, I, I am excited by many of the individual cards. Fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair. Uh, Brian, you, Brian, you have a top pick? Yeah. Uh, I do, actually. So if I had to, to if, if you pressed me, I would say Otherworldly Gaze is actually my top pick. Uh, so this is a single blue for an instant. Look at the top three cards of your library, put any number of them into your graveyard, and the rest back on top of your library in any order. And it has flashback for one and a blue. Um, and so on the surface, this is not a particularly novel card. Uh, we've had single blue for Scry 3 before, but I think everybody is aware at this point that Surveil 3 is far more powerful than Scry 3. And I think that um, that may make a card that was otherwise unplayable, you know, single blue for Scry 3 into something that is playable. The fact that this also has flashback on it um, means that it's pretty close to having draw a card tacked on because you get to cast this card a second time. And so I think um, a single blue for the ability to mill three cards might actually be good enough. Um, you know, I could see this being played in decks that you would otherwise be running, um, you know, crab to self mill. So maybe this uh, helps with some reanimator shenanigans. Maybe it helps with, um, you know, even something like your grinding breach deck. You know, uh, I don't know where you land on wanting creatures versus non-creatures but especially if you're playing something like drc um this could be a great ad uh yeah i think that this card is probably being glanced over because of the fact that it doesn't say draw a card on it but um i have a feeling that it's going to be a lot better than it seems on the surface yeah that that's interesting that, that's a take for sure i mean i don't think i would if it said draw a card, I think this would be hands down the best cantrip in modern. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it I would mean, be better preordain, right? It'd be better than ponder. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it has flashback, too. And it's an instant. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't think I would put this in breach. Just breach is super tight, and like you need, you need things that draw cards. Like I have tried putting bad... I've tried putting cards that don't draw... Like So, a small little update on uh, Omnath Monkey Blade, which I really like. Uh, I found out the secret to making that deck better is to cut the mox ambers and add expressive iterations. And it turns that out, sense. cracked, absolutely cracked, like nuts. Mm. Do I prefer <laughs> mox amber to expressive iteration? Yes, I think it's a cooler card. But you know, just like, iteration is cracked. And yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, just, you know, I've tried putting cards that, you know, mox amber is mana ramp, but doesn't draw you a card, but just expressive iteration was so much better. And, you know, I think mm. just... As in Breach, maybe, you know, like, you would need... Maybe if you could make some kind of heavy flashback deck, you know, just, like, if you... If this mill three... If you mill a flashback card, then that's essentially, like, draw a card on it. 
which is, I think, you know, really the way to maximize this. You know, if you can mill two flashback cards, that's one blue draw two cards, which is, you know, now we're getting into bannable territory. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, I have to really sit down and think about where this would fit. I just think that um, compared to other cards that do see play, like this has some of the, the same effects, right? Mill three is something that you'll sometimes want. I realize that Stitcher Supplier is often a mill six, which is why it's played, but... Uh, if you're willing to pay the extra mana, you you get the extra three. Um, and, you know, this is a little bit more flexible than that. You get to keep cards on top if you think that they're relevant. Um, it's instant speed, you know, and and so there's just uh, there's a lot of little edges that I think this gives that may bump it from unplayable to playable. I'm yeah, just not quite sure where yet. I think that's very fair. I think I kind of overlooked instant. The fact that it is an instant is so much better. If it were a social trait, it would be garbage and unplayable. But as an I instant, agree. yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good call. I kind of slipped my mind. I'm I don't expect them like I totally you look at this card. I would expect it to be a sorcery, you know. Like it's pretty great that they're making an oh, instant. Yeah. Yep. And there are other cards in this set where you expect them to be an instant and they're a sorcery. And you're like, what? Why? It's already yeah. bad. Even as an instant, it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> yep. But uh, how about you, Aaron? Uh, so for me, actually, I'm pretty interested in Secrets of the Key. This was spoiled pretty early. The one blue investigate. It was cast from a graveyard, investigate twice instead with flashback three and a blue. Uh, the thing that I'm most interested in this is that I have, you know, I keep all these little lists in my head of, okay, you know, these are decks I want to build, but we don't have the cards yet. And when I was having my fun with Academy Manufacturer, you know, like I... I don't know why, but I'm just such a huge sucker for mono blue artifacts. That's just like the ultimate deck I love to play. I have like some terrible, some terrible lists that I'll take into the league and like I'll one for every occasion just, you know, to burn some tickets and have fun doing terrible things. Uh, but I was actually pretty curious in the mono blue Academy Manufacturer list. Uh, this would, you know, you kind of use hard evidence that said you can keep it mono blue. I wasn't quite sure what else you would fill out the shell with. Uh, but the other thing, I forget what the card name, but the... The seven mana affinity for tokens serpent from Modern Horizons two, Junkwinder. Yeah, Junkwinder, which is affinity you, for tokens. Yeah, so like if you, it's two in a blue, two blue, five colors for a five five affinity for tokens. Whenever a token enters the battlefield, tap target creature. It doesn't untap during its control's next untap step, or just something that's like pretty absurd. So if you could, you know, if you had like four or five, if you had five tokens in the battlefield and three mana. And you slam this thing and then like play a hard evidence secret with the key, you know, you just tap down something. It only dies to unholy heat, uh, which is, you know, they can't prismatic ending it, which is pretty sweet. And so, the, you know, it's been curious and just seems kind of cool. But when I was going through, I tried to make this a little bit ago. The only one drop was hard evidence. Everything else like didn't really work. You know, like all the other blue investigate cards were kind of garbage because they cost like two mana from Innistrad. Uh, but Secrets of the Key, this is another one blue, and this being an instant two is nice. So I don't think this is quite there yet. I don't think, you know, I, I think the deck needs more than just one more one drop. But this is definitely, you know, slowly building, slowly, slowly building uh, towards the critical mass, hopefully, to burn some ticks. I think the, the overall goal is just to burn some ticks. But yeah, patience. it looks like a good, good ticket-burning fodder. Oh, yeah, you know, I will take any excuse to play Suspend in my deck. Like, fuck it, let's go. Ooh. You know, I'll play my bad removal. Nice. Merfolk's, Merfolk's beaten us with it before, Zach. We can do it, too. I just want to go and do a league where I try to get a single game win with Triska file too. I will watch that stream. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, here's the trick. Here's the trick. This is how you do it. Just play Luris. Yeah. That's it. Just play Luris. Then, okay. And, and then you'll you'll always have access to one, and you just got to grind your opponent out, and then you could literally win with a 1-1. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So are you trying to win through combat damage with Tr Triska Decafile? No, 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 no. <laughs> the point is I'll just win a game where if I had been attacking with my 1-3 every turn, I could have won that way, but I'm going to win on the upkeep trigger because it's stylish. Okay, All right. okay, okay. So I have a... If you want to try and do a Triska Decafile thing, what I was... Mm -hmm. So I have a totally different idea. Uh, you know, I just... <laughs> I can't stop... Can't quit Lazav either. And, you know, like the Grixis oh, Lazav boy. grinding breach deck, I really loved. And he had the... Just, you know, one of the nutty plays was, like, turn one Emery with a Springleaf Drum, Melaluris, unearth the Luris, and cast a Bauble. And, like, now you've got, like, these two... You're drawing three cards a turn, and you're just, like, going to crush them. Uh, you know, like, that's a good way to draw three cards of tone pretty cheaply is Emery, Luris, and Bobble. And that can, you know, if you have a Triska Decafile, it can also be replayed with Luris. Uh, you know, if it's milled with Emery. So some kind of blue-black deck. I'll probably I actually have an idea I want to try and mess with some blue-black Asmore shells. And, you know, that try and focus on uh, getting down, you know, like four Unearth, four Emery, four Luris. Just, you know, be really degen and just like, okay, we want to get these cards in our graveyard. And then we just want to Unearth them again and just kind of go nuts. And, you know, maybe one or two Triska files just as kind of chilling there. Uh, you know, also, Lazav copying, uh, Lazav copying Asmo for free is just, I've done it a couple of times. It's actually really nice. Like, it's kind of surprising mm -hmm. how good it is. Okay. I'm in. I'll watch that stream, too. Oh, yeah. I'll come up with a <laughs> list, probably. I'll probably have one of Triska Decafile just for, the, just for the memes. Maybe I'll even, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll be less brave and I'll donate to Zach to play the Rough Draft. And have yeah, be like, I mean, if you if if you just want to watch someone suffer, just uh, I mean, think, I don't like to give you rough drafts though, because you're always like a rune. I don't like these things. You know, I want to at least give you something like you know. I don't want to torture you. I want you to be like, oh no, oh, no, no, no. That's, I want you that's to be why like, you pay me. Oh, this deck is great, rather than a rune. This deck is terrible. <laughs> well, I think I I think I try to do my best to identify like this part of the deck was worth playing, and this eighty percent of it wasn't. Um, so. Hey man, brewing is hard. Okay, my wallet. I, I agree with you. I my totally wallet agree with you. Was in trouble before I found this breach list. Why? Why do we always have to go back to the old uh, standby of play more good cards and play less bad cards? It's, I know. It's just, I, it's just so tough. I hate it. I hate it. You know, I'm. I know. I know. I'm. I'm hoping support for singleton formats. You know, at this point, give us a singleton modern. Let's see what happens. You know, like now, then we have to play some bad cards. Not everybody oh, can. Oh, give me American Highlander, baby! Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, we should. I would love to push for it. I designed that format. <laughs> oh yeah. Anywho, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's some seven picks from uh, Midnight Hunt, and there's another uh in Estrad set coming out real soon six oh, weeks god. after the first one crimson oh Bow, god so, save um, me zach save me i don't want more spoilers there there's no there's no saving you here it's over it's, uh, it's all yeah. over just either embrace the constant flow of spoilers right into your veins or uh maybe like uh the syringe going into the egg your head's just gonna explode yeah i mean the one thing i, I try and consider during all of this is you know like being inundated with spoilers and you know, like, it, it's emphasized a lot, but I think it's really good to keep in mind that magic is not just one game anymore. When Richard Garfield invented it in 1991, it was, or 93, it was one game. But now, you know, we have modern, legacy, vintage, standard, uh, 
Pioneer now, you have Historic, the arena-only format. You just have, like, Commander, Brawl. So you have all these things, and, you know, it's... Magic is one one product that's releasing for a whole bunch of... To be as a whole bunch of different games that, you know, don't always play well together. For instance, like Commander and Modern, right? Like, you want something Commander and Modern, you have a little trouble. And so, you know, like, it's not... This is kind of their way to make everybody happy, and, you know, everybody mostly happy, and not everybody's going to be totally happy... But, you know, if you want to appease Commander and Modern and Standard and Pioneer and Historic players, this is kind of just how it's got to happen because Magic is so big. And I I have a, a thought, and I'm wondering where, where you guys come down on this uh, before we move on, which is, do you think that they have intentionally reduced the amount of shots at Eternal formats in Standard sets now that they have things like Modern Horizons, things like the upcoming um, Lord of the Rings set that are going to go, that are going to skip standard and go into the eternal formats. Do you think that they are intentionally lobbing less cards into standard sets that have a shot in the eternal format? Because obviously they want to sell standard packs to eternal format players, but at the same time, it's so risky trying to design cards at that power level um, depending on what kind of designs they're doing, right? So, like, Emery is a perfect example. Emery had literally no impact in Standard. That was, like, a perfect design of you could put it in a Standard set, it didn't hurt anyone, and it was an interesting card for, for Legacy formats. It, at times, almost seemed too good. Obviously, now we see that it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's related to, you know, just, like, just now more than ever, but I do... You know, I, I think Wizards does feel bad about Eldraine, you know, they know they fucked it up and just like the player base was not happy. They had to ban a shit ton of cards that does not look great. And even now, you know, standard, how many complaints have you heard about standard being shit because Bonecrusher Giants has killed fucking everything for the past like seven years or whatever everyone <laughs> says it feels like, you know, I think it might have only been two, but who the hell yeah. is counting? Like, you know, like Wizards does not want another Eldraine. Like, I'm sure of that. And, you know, because of that, I think... You know, they definitely learned some lesson. Maybe it's Eldraine plus, you know, I think you made a really good point that, yeah, that now they can print directly to modern and because of that, they don't have to push things as much. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. I don't think we have the data, but I do know that, you know, they don't they don't want to do Eltron of Eldraine again. I don't, you know, I don't know how much people can like really put up with any more thrones. Like what the shit? What the hell? Uh I, I mean, I agree. I think that they're sensitive to the player base, but I also think that this is all cyclical. I think, you know, we kind of see these ebbs and flows throughout just like standard sets where there's been some super busted standard sets that have incredibly pushed cards. And it may be a long time before we come back to that. But, you know, I the whole concept of fire design was to sell more packs, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that they're going to continue coming up with these like business speak ideas like fire design that ends up pushing the boundaries maybe a little too hard. And we're going to end up with another busted set again at some point because that's just what suits do, right? Like they try and quote unquote innovate and figure out ways to, you know, push the, the envelope. Um, and maybe maybe that is uh, gonna get a little bit better as paper play returns and maybe pioneer you know kind of rekindles some fire and they now have a new outlet for pushing standard packs on um, eternal format players and so things actually calm down a little bit in modern but you know I I don't want to say that they're like completely divorced uh, you know set design and and 
marketing or whatever but like i think in a in in some ways like what they're doing and eternal formats almost are just completely on separate planets like i i don't i mean i do think they give some thought to it but i don't think they give uh a lot of thought to how much of an impact things are going to have but i could be way off so yeah i just thought it was an interesting question to ask because now they have an off-ramp which they've never had before because i've gone through a lot of the uh power level swings in modern or in in magic in my time playing magic i've seen a lot of the the power level swings you know the the broken sets followed by the cooler sets followed by usually a kind of renaissance that happens in between which is really nice so you you mean like mirrored into kamigawa that yeah, kind that of... was my that was that was basically my Ooh. introduction era in Magic um, was mirrored into Kamigawa, and then into Ravnica, and Ravnica was that sort of renaissance, that sweet spot, um, and then Time Spiral was kind of goofy, um, but but again there was like a period of a few years where it was all relatively well balanced, relatively good, and then eventually they printed another broken set, and you know, and then the cycle starts again. Um, we went through that a couple years ago with Ravnica again. Um, Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance uh, was was a really good period in Magic with the Ixalan year, um, and then they put out War of the Spark, which was not problematic for Standard right away. But anyway, so it, it is all in cycles. But what I'm saying is we're in a unique time in Magic. Never before have they had the outlet of printing things directly into Eternal formats like they yep. do now. And I think it it will be interesting to pay attention to Standard sets forthcoming because when Eldraine came out, yeah, Modern Horizons came out that year, but they work far enough ahead and they didn't know what Modern Horizons was going to be impact-wise. Maybe it was going to be a total flop, right? So they probably designed Eldraine with the idea, the, the old-style idea of we need shots at all formats in our standard sets. And maybe now we'll transition to a place where there's much less shots at eternal formats in standard sets. It's possible. I'm just saying it's possible. Uh, especially with so. especially with the pro- proliferation and the growth of things like Arena, where they have these... Uh, n- there's a new class of player, the digital native, you know, and they're very much aware of that. And they want to cater probably a good chunk of the game to that because that populace is huge and it's very easy to grow it. Um, especially with the free-to-play client. Um, and and the and the microtransactions and everything that go with that, which I don't want to get into, but you know that they're they're definitely paying attention to that fact. Um, so anyway, magic is definitely changing. Um, I'm going to assume for the better, since uh, I have no reason to assume for the worse. And there will be you know always great magic for players like us if we're willing to to look for it. Um, if you compare magic now to magic when I started, there were like four standard releases per year. And that was it. And there's still at least that much magic that is intended for players like us. Probably more. So just because you see products coming out that are not targeted at you does not mean you're not getting more magic than you used to. You're just seeing a lot more magic than you I think this is a good time to talk about, like after talking about, you know, what kind of how magic is doing and what sets are releasing. I do want to mention that. Uh, you know, Paper Magic is back, and I've actually, I've gone twice so far. We have Monday Moderns at a sweet little local venue. It's very wonderful. Uh, you know, as uh, I did it, you know, I told everyone, like, for my first Paper Modern, it's got to be Temer Urza Yorion Game Objects, which is a <laughs> manufacturer. And, you know, with four sagas, Navigator's Compass, the whole, you know, whatever. We're not giving a shit. Uh, 
and so we did it. We made it. Uh, I will say, Navigator's Compass, uh, yeah, not great, you know? I thought maybe, just maybe. Like, turns out when you put four of them in your deck, it's a very good way to learn that it's not a good magic card. Oh. Uh, but, but, you know, we tried, and it was fun. Uh, I do want to say, though, who the fuck thought Yorian was a good idea on paper? Like, holy shit. That was, like... It was, I was between the Renin Sixes and the Urza Sagas and like all the tokens and the triggers. It was like, it was hell. I was, every turn I was doing something. Like I never, like even when my opponent was going, I was searching my library. It was just, it was all, you know, I mean, actually it was fun as hell. You know, it was kind of nice to be like, <laughs> I didn't have a second of downtime. Uh, all three out of four of my matches went to time. Two of those wound up in draws. One of them, my axe, I, I just scooped. I was like, like, I got to draw the first round, and then, like, the second round is going to time again. It's like, you know, like, I feel bad. Like, this is clearly my deck that's doing this. You know, it's not, it, it's just how it works. And so I just scooped to them because, you know, two draws is also not great. But, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, I got to do some crazy things. I think I had, like, I, w I was going to have a crazy turn with Yorion, Flickering, uh, Lonus, and Academy Manufacturers, and all of that good, and some Geese. Uh, but my opponent scooped instead, which is pretty fair. Uh, but so that was a lot of fun and interesting, but also kind of made me wonder that, yeah, it was not, you know, that deck was not good for paper play, at least for me. Maybe there's, you know, pros like maybe Spike or Cedric Phillips, you know, like can play any deck hyper fast. But between all the shuffling for the sagas or for Urza Saga and for the Fest and for Renin 6, it was really rough. And, you know, <laughs> I actually I dismantled the deck. I was like, this was fun, but I'm going to stick to this on Magic Online because. I do not want to go to time in like four rounds, especially if I was playing like an eight round tournament, like hell no. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was fun and sweet, but really, you know, it makes me wonder about Yorion and paper. Uh, so something I'm going to keep in mind. Uh, the second type, the second time I went back, I played Monday Modern. I played a prototype of the yard breach list and I went 2-2, two, two. Uh, but the deck felt good. And one of the losses was the black white reanimator. Uh, that had four Leyland, that had Leyland the Void for both game two and game three. Uh, and, you know, that's just pretty brutal. But it was a lot of fun, and I just kind of, I just got to say, I miss Paper Magic a lot. I like it a lot more than Magic Online. Mm -hmm. It is sweet, it is fun, getting the banter, you know, just like mm -hmm. tease your opponents a little bit, get teased, a little, you know, a little trash talking if, like, you know, like you know that, you know, you know the opponent that's comfortable. Like, you don't just trash talk your random opponent. But, you know, like sometimes just like fun to add those things. You know, everyone was really nice you know really happy to be there uh, i really you know i didn't realize how much i missed it until getting to play it again i'm super excited for i don't have any big tournaments but i would love to play a big one in paper uh and then just to kind of close things out uh tomorrow i'm going to monday modern again and one of my good friends from my uh wednesday magic group he is coming with me he doesn't play like i think he's only played like two actual competitive or like two actual like events in store he just plays mainly casual you know, he's a cool, like, he's been interested and he's a cool guy. And I have Omnath Monkey Blade also sleeved up as, like, kind of my spare deck. And I think it's a great spare deck because it's pretty easy to play where, you know, you just have busted and powerful cards and you just beat face. Uh, so we're going to play that tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to go with him tomorrow. And it's uh, my first time going to a Magic Tournament with a friend, which I'm super excited for to t talk the bad beat stories between rounds and, you know, finish your match early and watch them and, you know, kind of scream inside as they misplay. And you're like, why, why, you know, dash the ragavan, don't do this. Uh, but it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm excited. Uh, Brian? Uh, that's awesome. So I, I wanted to say I took um, a Song of Creation brew to the local game store last Monday as well and uh, tried playing that. And 
yeah, it turns out some decks are just much, 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 much better to play online. Uh, <laughs> this was one of them. As I was holding like, you know, 30 cards in hand, like looking, no longer was I searching through my deck. I was searching through my hand for the single cards. Yep. And, uh, you know, just like remembering all the triggers and I had expressive iteration. So like doing things in the proper order while also remembering that I drew off of song in response to the cast and then like stacking everything properly. I, uh, I tucked that wow. deck away after playing a couple games and was like, all right, this, one, <laughs> this one's going to be an online deck because, you know, my opponent just sat and watched me like uh, head in hand for, you know, like 15 minutes while I, I stormed off and then finally won and they were like okay cool and I was like yeah I'm sorry you didn't really get to do anything there yeah yeah that's I mean I'm very happy you had a similar experience just I felt so bad taking all the game actions honestly like uh -huh. I already took a billion game actions I hogged like 10 minutes and like you know I had like I think at one point I had like 15 I think they killed my contract but I had like 15 like tokens or artifacts or whatever and Urza and it's like I didn't even spin Urza. It's just you know this is gonna take. I've just felt like an asshole. It's like I've already taken a fifteen-minute <laughs> yeah. turn. Now you want me to spin Urza like four times and then you know maybe hit more than take. It's just, I mean I know like you know I should have, but I, I just felt like an asshole. It's just like hogging up the whole twenty minutes. Like this is paper too, you know. Like wasting people's time in front of a computer, I feel is kind of okay because you know you're on the computer. <laughs> all time is wasted to begin with. I but, I just you know. don't have to look at their sad face, which is the big difference <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There I you just, go. I have too much empathy. <laughs> I, I can't yep. do that to someone in paper. And, yep. and let me be clear. I have said exactly what both of you are saying right now, repeatedly talking about different decks online. When people come on and they're like, oh, this, this Glimpse of Tomorrow deck looks so sweet. I'm like, don't play it in paper. Do yep. not play it in paper. You are going to be the biggest jerk ass ever <laughs> if you play it in paper. And especially if you play it slowly in paper. You think this is bad, it's bad when a talented player does it. If you're inept, oh my god, it's gonna be just, just awful. Yep. Uh, yep. So, yeah. And that, and that is why my first, uh, the first three paper events that I have played, Woo! I played two with Velomachus. Nice. Um, and one with uh, Jeskai Wurza. And, also um, nice. In both, in both cases, those are combo decks that once you hit your combo, quote-unquote, uh, it's quick. There's there's no... The, the fact that you can just loop Urza in paper is great, and uh, Velomachus yeah, is, is a feel-bad for your opponent, because every time that you could whiff, and then you don't, and you kill them. But at least it only <laughs> takes about a minute for you to kill them. It's like, attack, look at seven cards, here's my time warp. Attack, look at seven cards, here's my time warp. Attack, yep. look at seven cards, oh, you died. Okay, it's over. Um... So um, the the best thing is that in paper, you know, words is actually better than online. Ugh, oh, way, so much. way better. Way you better. You can loop it. You can't do yeah. that loop online without like killing yep. yourself for 20 minutes. But in paper, judge, I would like to demonstrate a loop. Yep. I mean, most people don't even don't even need a judge around like they understand inherently. the Yeah. Concept. Yeah. Like it's just like I'm going to do this. And it's like, OK, yeah, like there's there's no reason to be, you know, persnickety about it or whatever. But uh, yeah. The the, clo the closest thing to something unpleasant that happened, and it, it, it wasn't because the other player was great about it, but uh, uh, I was against Affinity, and they had me under the gun, so I had, to, I had to whip out a bridge, 
and then just uh, spin Urza like two times per turn and then three times per turn and then four times per turn until eventually I found the kill. But yeah. uh, in game three, I think it was, once I had the bridge down, he just scooped out because he's like, I don't, I just don't have any, I don't have enough outs. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to play through this. And I'm like, that, that, that's cool. That's, that's what you should do. Yeah, um, respect for keeping both of our time intact. Yeah, and I, I also explained to him, I was like, uh, back in the day, pre-Urza, there were three versions of artifact decks you could play realistically. There was uh, Were Prison, there was Lantern Control, and there was Thopter Sword. And I always elected for Thopter Sword in paper, at minimum, for my opponent's um, quality of life. Because <laughs> Lantern is the most emotionally damaging experience for opponents where they're constantly like well if i have action four cards in a row on top i can get out of this and they're just stuck there in schrodinger's game uh game loss forever until they lose eventually um were prison is even worse in some ways because oh, if God. you do it right uh they have no out but they'll think they have it out and then it turns out that you thought of that and you're just waiting until you deck and then you beat them with Ipnu Rivulet looping or Pyrite Spellbomb <laughs> looping, which is... Jesus. Ipnu Ip yeah. Rivulet. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that might be a war crime, honestly. Like, that's fucked right. up. Right. And then... But then at least with Thopter Sword, in a large number of games, you just get a bridge, you get Thopter Sword, and then every turn you make three or four Thopters, you attack them to death in, like, four turns. And, and, and yep. people scoop very proactively to that. They, they see it coming, they're like, oh, I'm actually going to die in about three turns. Okay. And it wasn't <laughs> it, it wasn't the optimal deck, but it was a deck that, you know, people... I, again, I did it for my opponent's quality of life. I also did it because I enjoyed playing it. But anyway, so uh, play, play decks that don't make you a jerk in paper, friends. Unless you really like being a jerk in paper, then do it. Also, in paper play, this week, I got BM'd, which was fun. Um because I was playing Wurza, and my one match loss was against a uh, Boomer Gen player who was very capable. But it was just really funny that, like, on the last turn, he, like, I was going to my turn, and I forget what he did, and then he, like, just showed me, like, two cards in his hand, and he's like, it, it's, it's game over or something like that. And I was like, hold on now. I got a whole draw step and untap and the whole turn here. Like... I could like I think I had sort of the meek in my graveyard and stuff, so I was like, that's actually not like a deterministic kill, but you know whatever. <laughs> but uh, I think he was just uh, really really feeling his oats because he was two zero with Boomer Jund and he was about to be three zero, so I didn't take it too personally. But it was uh, it was one of those funny things of like, oh yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've been BM'd in paper like that where someone's just like, you're dead, and it's like, well, no, I'm really not, but you know, okay. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah paper play and for me super exciting um this weekend on friday and saturday i get to go back to judging uh we'll be judging some midnight hunt pre-releases um, nice so that's exciting and intimidating um but uh it should be a really good time i enjoy judging i enjoy the, the being a positive influence oh and also in the in paper in the lgs man i have i have answered so i i didn't even answer rules questions i've just like sniped people making bad interactions uh pe people were using ashiok and triggering uh creeping chill um Whoa. people were equipping uh colossus hammer to an ink moth nexus and then giving it pro colorless to swing through their opponent's ornithopter no. um for the kill it's 
it's no, it's all honest. It's yeah, yeah, all yeah, yeah. honest mistakes. I watched them all happen um, very honestly, and um, and it was funny how many times I actually kind of had to put my foot down of like, no, I'm I'm a judge and I'm a hundred percent sure. Like I'm a hundred percent sure that your Colossus hammer falls off your Ink Moth Nexus. Um, this is a casual event. Like we can just rewind it a little bit, and you guys can make different decisions. But like. I'm a hundred percent sure this is how this works. That's interesting. Um, so is this more like rules interaction than you've noticed previously? Like you know, more people kind of getting things wrong. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think, I think everybody's it's been, a little rusty. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of time. I think it's been a lot of time where people have been playing online or playing in their own groups. So either the online rules engine handled it for you, and you never needed to think about it. Which means it, it is possible some people, you know, depending on how good their fundamental in understanding of the rules is, uh, maybe they never knew and they just don't pay attention. They're just mm -hmm. used to everything happening automatically. Because I was a paper player for so long before playing online a bunch um, that, like, my fundamental understanding of rules, triggers, etc. Is, is pretty deep. Um, and when I go back to paper, I, I feel like my online experience shores that up. Where, like, as soon as I see a card, mentally, I know the things that are supposed to happen, both um, because of online play, because of paper play. But I feel like some people have a gap where if it just doesn't trigger, they just assume it's not supposed to, you know? Because online, that's how that works. If it's supposed yep. to trigger, it triggers. If it's not supposed to trigger, it won't trigger. <laughs> so, um, but you know what I mean, right? And, oh, yeah. And, um, online and, makes you so and lazy. handling all these interactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, great. You know, like, you try yeah. flickering alone as a manufacturer in a goose and paper. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, and I, I think also um, there is someone who's like a, what do they used to call it? A rules. Uh, advisor? Advisor. There's a guy who, who's there who's basically like rules advisor level. That's obviously, that's not an official position with, within the judge community anymore. But there, there is an L0 there, but he's also working. So he's never like around the players while they're playing. Um, and the first time I called judge, it took like seven minutes for him to show up. Whoa. Um, what, he's a nice guy. It's just a busy store and they yeah, don't yeah. have a lot of employees. Um, uh, but basically, we, me and my opponent worked it out that uh, what, what had happened is he, he had shuffled his Luris into his main deck uh after sideboarding and then he drew it off an expressive iteration he's like oh this isn't supposed to be there and i was like yeah well this is like uh this is no there's no rules enforcement level in this tournament we'll just put it where it's supposed to be in your companion zone you can draw a card and literally no part of this game has been disrupted so be nice. more careful in the future carry on which is what should happen yes. by the way for yep, anyone yep. who doesn't know at 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 an fnm or anything that's like a low rules enforcement level a regular rel we call it uh, that is the fix. Is, is if you can fix something without disrupting the game, just just fix it. Nothing went wrong. The, the Luris is supposed to be the companion. It's, it's not a problem. Some people will try to be like, oh no, you have to play it within your deck, and it's like, well, fine if you want to be that way about it. But as long as both players are cool with it, just put it where it's supposed to be. You're not affecting the game. Yeah, like just don't be an asshole. You know, just like just because you have yeah. the right to be an asshole doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. <laughs> Like, this is, this is, like, the number one thing I see people get tripped up on. It's like, you know, you don't have to be an asshole. You can choose not to, and that's okay. It's actually right, probably right. better. Right. And, and, and more to the point, like, the policy does support, you know, again, if it's not going to disrupt the game, which it didn't, then, then just fix it. Just fix it. Even if it's illegal, it, it was legal for you to play a 61-card deck and put your companion in it. But just fix it. It's fine. Everyone will be happier. 
Um, so yeah, paper. Lots, lots of interesting paper stuff. Enjoy it while you can, people, because we don't know what's on the close horizon. Yeah, um, this is. But yeah. uh, play, that, play safe. Wear your mask. Yeah, yeah. Please mask up. Please vaccinate up. I'll talk about this about the end. But yeah, you know, it's hmm. enjoy paper play. You know, it's going to depend what the hell happens in the next like several weeks or months or whatever. But it is. I would not be surprised if paper play is discouraged and discontinued again for at least a moderate amount of time. Just looking, looking at uh, the well, trends and the graphs. Winter's coming. Yep, yeah. yeah. Just to remind everyone, like December, January, February last year was like the true thickest of the thick of the thick of the or of this year slash last year was the true thickest of the thick of the thick of the pandemic. Like in terms of that's when all right. the cases spiked and like and were like most severe. So that's coming up again, and you know, patterns exist. <laughs> history repeats itself, as we love to say, and it is likely that history will repeat itself again. Uh, so, you know, go over this a bit more at the end, but just enjoy paper play while it lasts. And please, please, please take all the precautions that you can. Right. And it's easier now than it was the first time. You know, we know we, we should know what we're doing, what we're dealing with. And if we all do it right, maybe next year, next year, next winter, it'll be back to just regular old cold and flu season. We Yay. let's hope so. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Give me the flu, please. <laughs> yeah exactly no. let's, no, get let's go back to getting <laughs> let's go back to getting regular sick instead of deadly sick yeah. um, uh, but uh speaking of sick i know we've got some uh sick results and tweaking and testing of underworld breach to touch on in Woo! a minute um but i personally would like to take a short break so i don't know if you guys are good with that but me too I would like to do that and then we'll come back and find out about Master Jiggy Wiggy's incredible uh, results and forays into the underworld. Alright, so let's venture into the underworld with our man Arun Singh, who is wreathed in fire, flame, and uh, dust from ground artifacts. Woo! Oh, yeah. So uh, last episode that I was on, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned towards the end this blue red breach list uh, that looked, you know, I was messing with Lazav breach a little bit. And, you know, I, I just the thing I guess I love more about the Lazav breach deck was the unearth plus Luris plus breach combo is just like crazy strong and super cool. Uh, I'm sad to say I have finally come to terms that maybe Lazav into Kroxa was acceptable a year ago. But in our new, in our Lord's, in the new modern of our Lord's year 2021, Lazav into Kroxa is no longer acceptable. It just, it's embarrassing. It's really sad to say. It's like so slow and like the payoff is so, the payoff is okay. But you know, there's Ragavans, there's Chandlers that just don't give a shit. And then there's Merc that's just, yeah. So sadly, I have to accept that fact. And then it's okay, you know, like to make it streamlined, let's do straight up blue red. And then I've been a huge fan of Saga, really liked Saga. And the biggest weakness of Breach List is Graveyard Hater, just when they're able to attack it. And this kind of gives you a two-pronged approach. Uh, so I'll, I've been iterating a whole, whole, whole bunch on the list, but I actually haven't changed too much. It stayed fairly intact. So this is the, the blue-red uh, list is in the previous episode. But for this one, uh, I added a Black Splash uh, and so we have 21 lands with four sagas and Grixis mana base, four amber, four bauble, four dragon's rage Chandler, which I added over Serum Visions, and you know, uh, 
can be can be debatable. It's really nice sometimes, but other times it is kind of dead. Uh, for my toolbox, I have Aether Spellbomb, which has been amazing. I don't think I'd ever cut it from the main right now. Just dealing with other people's constructs. And Spellbomb plus Emery is just so good at just controlling down the board. It's great against Hammer Time. It can tag the next Ink Moth Nexus, which has been amazing. Uh, Shadow Spear, a Drum, and a Brainstone. Brainstone's more kind of cute. I think you can definitely cut it. But there are some corner cases where, you know, it's turn four. Uh, you need to combo, you're missing one piece, and so Saga dies, you grab a Brainstone, and you just kind of use the Brainstone to dig three deeper to hit your missing piece, uh, which has come up a couple times. One is Oracle, which, you know, you don't want to forget in your deck. That's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, four, Breach. Four, Expressive Iteration, because that card is absolutely cracked. Uh, fucked up Magic card. You know, maybe it shouldn't exist, but while it's here, we may as well play dirty. with. We may as well roll in the mud with the other little piggy piggies. Uh, three grinding station and the black splash is actually for wishclaw talisman this is one in a black artifact enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it tap a colorless tap it remove a wish counter to demonic tutor but your opponent gains control of wishclaw talisman activate this ability only during your turn so you know you wish for something you give it back to them uh it's an artifact just kind of sits around Funnily enough, it's a Throne of Eldraine card, and we know that Throne of Eldraine is a fucked up magic set, so not super surprising. I don't feel bad about putting Wishclaw in my deck, because it comes from a set with very high pedigree. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you can grind it, you can hold priority, activate it, and grinding station it, so you can just, like, get a free Demonic Tutor, which is pretty sweet. And as Zach loves to do, and I do sometimes too, you just use it on your turn, you give it to your opponent, and you say, I dare you, you know, I dare you, let's go. Take your, do you want a yeah. Demonic Tutor and give me back a whole new one? You know, like I get two Demonic Tutors, you get one. Seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, so, and honestly, the mind games with it are just so much funny. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know if this is right, but I just want to watch him struggle. Tiny footnote, it does not sacrifice on its last mode. Um, it was semi-relevant one time. So I was expecting it to die and me to be able to rebuy it with Emery. Mm. And no, it just goes to your opponent as a blank Wishclaw Talisman with no... No more counters on it. So just a tiny rules note there. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sure you mentioned it, but you can activate it at instant speed just only on your mm, turn. Yeah, yeah, Which good. is another thing that, that people get yeah. by. Um, yeah. which, which is obviously, it's part of why you can respond to activating it by grinding it. Um, actually, no, it's not. Because you could do that even if it was a sorcery. But yeah. that there you go. So, But you can, there are times where there's funny situations where someone tries to do something and you can use it during your own upkeep to tutor for something or during I, your end step sometimes I, they'll end step shatter it and you're just like okay yep <laughs> uh, i have actually used this so i played this in grixis where's a i don't know a year year and a half ago you know it was pre-pandemic so maybe it was three five i don't know how many years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the before times the before times yes and uh i knew that my opponent had a cryptic command in hand and so i baited the cryptic by casting uh goblin engineer or something or an emery or, or whatever and as soon as the cryptic was on the stack i uh popped the wishclaw talisman grabbed a galvanic blast and then domed him for four to get the kill um and so there's like little little sneaky things you can do like that you know go get the thing that you actually want after baiting the counter spell and getting them to tap down or or whatnot yeah or while they're like fetching i've used it too you know there's some like you're comboing on your turn and then or like you i cast it underworld breach i had the station in my hand i cast it breach 
and then they uh, they countered it, and I activated Wish Thought Talisman to grab a Metallic Rebuke, and then I rebuked their counter, nice. yep. and then I just won that turn. So you have a whole bunch of corner cases like that. So yeah. it's actually it's been really good. I've been pretty impressed with it. I don't I didn't have too many expectations, but whatever they were, they've been uh, exceeded. Then I have four Emery, four Rebuke, and one Brazen Borrower, and you know I think. Zach makes the good point. I think I probably might want to cut the rebukes and add unholy heats. Like I just switched those main inside. The kind of interesting thing, you know, is just like kind of pick your poison. Like unholy heat is so much better against the creature based decks. But you know, like I I've run into the blue white Wafo control deck uh, with like chalices and prismatic endings and like pact fiction. I'm six one against it. I just crush it. It's like not even fair. I just grind into the dust. I need they need the nuts and I need a shitty draw in order for them to have a chance. And, you know, like, if I had four, and a big part of that is the Metallic Rebukes, being able to counter their key spells. So if, you know, I had Unholy Heat over that, maybe those matchups would be different. But it feels so bad to lose to a stupid fucking Ragavan. Like, holy shit. Especially with, <laughs> with this deck, it's especially bad because you have so many good Ragavan hits. Like, oftentimes, if they have a Ragavan and they just swing a couple times, if they whiff every time, you know, like, you, I win those matches. I've, I've won against the Murktide. They connect with the Ragavan three times starting on turn two. And, you know, the Ragavan hit nothing, and they just had treasures, and I just, you know, I rebuked their counterspell, and I won that turn. But you have, the Ragavan can hit Mishra's Bauble, it can hit Amber, it can hit Chandler, and you have your four artifacts. Uh, hitting Expreter, Expressive Iteration is pretty bad. Hitting Emery is pretty bad, because they Emery, they mill more cards, they prod, you know, they can use Emery to recast their Baubles. So there's like a third of your deck that's almost lose on the spot if they hit you with Ragavan, uh, which is... You know, probably a good excuse to swap out the rebukes for unholy heats. I'll probably do that on Monday, actually. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Zach's advice on that. Then the sideboard is three spell pierce, two force of negation, four unholy heat, a crypt, Nile spell bomb, a needle, and three EE. Uh, so this is this is the current version I'm at. Uh, I've made a couple changes over over time. I'll just briefly. Uh, so right now, currently with all this testing in my deck, in 12 leagues, I'm 46 and 14. Uh, which is I've had 10 4 ones and 2 3 twos. Uh, you know, I've been loving the deck. The more you play these combo decks, the more you learn the lines. I do have to mention, I'm a dirty combo player. Like, every time I play and get into a combo deck like this, it's like, okay, you know, this is my nature. This is, this is my magic. And I have, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do more than accept that. I'm gonna take pride in that. I am a dirty combo player. And, you know, everyone else can shove it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm a control player, and I, you know, you, sometimes you have to explain what you love about it. And if you can do that, people are usually pretty accepting of you. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they I, might not always like losing to you, but <laughs> I, I don't always like losing to control, so we're even. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and for reference, forty six and fourteen is an unreal record yeah, in Magic the Gathering. Really I mean, good. that is. That is phenomenal. Yeah, my... Um, the fact that you haven't gotten a 5-0 is just a product of poor luck more than anything else. Yeah, the other... I mean, I've lost three trophies, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. Uh, the Grixis Dress Down Shadow deck, it turns out, mm -hmm. is like an abysmal matchup because Dress Down beats both the Saga plan and the Breach plan. Yeah, because, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It breaks your Thos Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, and even breaks the Emery, too. Like, you know, you recast Emery from the Graveyard... And then they flat, they flash that in. You don't get your mill, and now you have to get rid of that. And then you still have to find your oracle. So it's right. right. So just depends on how how low you are on resources. But that deck is really good at attacking your resources and killing you very quickly. Yeah. So it's it's a it. Hmm. Gr Grixis monkey and Grixis uh, 
Shadow, Dress Down Shadow are are both very difficult matchups for this deck, I think. Yeah. Tempo decks in general. So and Blue Red Murktide. No, uh, Murktide is fine, actually. It's pretty surprising. All right. Well, I mean, they, they don't have the hand disruption, so it's harder for their, them to read you. But Yeah, I mean, um, the big thing, Blue Red Murktide, they're just not really able to have a fast clock and keep up counterspells. They can have a slow clock sure. and counterspells, or they can have a fast clock and no counterspells. But mm. they're not, you know, they're mid range, they're not so much control. And so you just kind of hang out. And, you know, normally if they want to actually put pressure on you, uh, you know, they have to get down on Merc Tide and hold up a counter spell. And then you just rebuke their counter spell and win the game, mm. which is normally uh. what happens. I mean, you know, they can kind of go, they can kind of nut you with just another Ragavan drop. You can also nut them and win on turn two. Mm -hmm. do, do you think uh, the fact that the rebukes being so good in some of these matchups is a. a maybe a consideration like do a 3-1 split or a 2-2 split with the unholy heats if you feel like the unholy heat is worth it in the main board yeah i mean it's a good question you know it's just how lucky how lucky am i going to feel right like the 2-2 split's always nice but then what if i draw the rebukes against the black red deck and then i draw the unholy heats against the other deck like the control deck sure but you get to see a lot of cards because they end up in your graveyard and then you can cast them from the graveyard and you were just talking about being able to fetch stuff with the wishclaw talisman so that does give you a little bit broader access to um you know yeah, you might, or two of you might be able to pull the storm trick of playing exactly one bolt or heat main deck that you can occasionally wish for when you need it um, yeah that i guess it, it, it they're it's an idea. Yeah, that's a fine idea. I mean, yeah, my one concern is that <laughs> we want Unholy Heat on turn one because we don't want Ragavan yeah. to end the game. And playing two Unholy Heats is not a good recipe to have it when you need it to kill your sure. opponent's Ragavan. I, I think Modern right now is in a place where you should pull the old um, Modern and Legacy standby of the format is very uh, extreme. So... I think pick your poison, Jiggy's yep. wording, is is just choose what you want to have a stronger game one against mm -hmm. and build your sideboard to be able to compensate for the opposite direction. So, um, you know, the, the the way he had it before was, was uh, a little bit better against control, combo, and big mana, a little bit worse against aggro and midrange. My personal feeling on the format is there's way more... Uh, decks that are playing creatures out early yeah and that um heat or in, in this particular deck i'm actually a big fan of lightning bolt um just in that there are a number of decks that uh really hammer their own life total and they're not paying enough attention sometimes you just breach and bolt them out um yeah that's my personal feeling i also don't feel like it's much worse than unholy heat in most cases for what this deck is trying to do i mean the um, one thing so. that i like about unholy heat i totally agree like in the main reason i'm actually running unholy heat is because of goyf like if you if <laughs> Bolt does not do it against Goyf and the Goyfs you know like John Sagavan their Goyfs they make John Sagavan makes their Goyfs huge and we also make their Goyfs huge so like it's oftentimes I'll see like a turn two Goyf that's like a, a five six which mm. is not yeah, great yeah it could be problematic yeah it's very very fast lock very surprisingly fast lock yeah mm. but yeah. yeah well I mean and, and shadows are the same deal right they just come down and sometimes they're turn three they're like a seven seven Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, Bolt is... The also other thing, too, is just sometimes you can, if you play Bolt, you can just do a value breach when you have, you know, like four red mana and 15 cards in your yard and you just Bolt them to 12 for the dome, which is totally valid, done many times. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, right, I right. think... Once again, it goes back to our theme of the day, which is pick your poison. You know, at yep. this point, Modern is just so diverse and have so many decks. 
that you know you just kind of have to pick what you what you want to lose to and how you want to lose to it you know you make those decisions based on how you're feeling at the time and you just kind of have to stick with them and hope you made the right ones right and and to the point what you're saying is rather than try to win on the variance of drawing the right card for the right matchup if i put them all in what I'm saying is I want to rely a little bit more on the va matchup variance of having a good read on the format and knowing what I'm most likely to run into. And then also remembering that most games statistically are played sideboarded. So you play less game ones than game two, threes put together. So just have faith in your linear plan when you hit the bad matchups and your sideboard um, um, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you don't. And I mean, in terms of linear draws, uh, Brian was watching some of yesterday, and I know he said something along the line of, like, damn, dude, when you, when you have those draws, this deck is real good. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the reason Scary the good. combo was overhyped in the beginning, um, was because those linear draws are really busted looking. Yeah, I've I've had, you know, I've had multiple matches where game one and game two, I'll win on turn three. You know, I just, you draw the mm -hmm. nuts, and you just, especially yep. with Dragon Race Chandler, because it used to have to have Emery in order to get a turn three win. But now you can actually go mm -hmm. turn one Chandler, turn two Grinding Station, turn three Breach, and then if you have a zero CMC, like you don't even need an Ember anymore. But if you just have a Bobble, you loop the Bobble with Grinding Station every time it puts an additional card in your yard. And so you do it like seven, eight times. You have seven, eight extra cards. Eventually you'll hit Emery using your last blue mana. Or then you play the Amber, you play another zero CMC, and then you play the Emery, and then you can just kind of keep going and go from there. So there's you know, Chandler into state into grinding station into breach is a turn three win without Emery, uh, which is you know it's. I don't know how important it is now, but I know in the previous when one of Modern's previous existences, it was just always very nice to have free wins. You know, to have your deck just have these free win hands. You know, like Amulet has mm -hmm. them. Like something you have double Amulet and you know Azusa, you just went on went on turn two, etc. Like yeah, all a lot of the good decks at the time had free wins, and these breach decks are scary because you also have those just free win draws. Sweet. So. uh what have you been, you know, testing? Uh, I like over what you said, eleven leagues. That's uh, yeah, that's or a twelve lot. leagues. That's a that's a lot of play. I have to imagine you've had cards coming in and out. You know, what have you been finding? Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, I mean, I've been playing this a whole bunch, but just I've been doing really well. I think uh, my constructed rating was sixteen oh seven as of like three weeks ago, and my constructed rating is very low because we test a lot of very bad decks for this podcast. I mean, I would test them even without the podcast, but the podcast is a great excuse, uh, and there's a lot of losing. Uh, but my rating, my rating now is 1784. I've almost like cracked 1800, which is the highest. Actually, it might not be the highest I've ever been, but you know, I feel really good, and I have actually been winning a lot, and it feels sweet. And you know, especially chasing that trophy, I've had so many heartbreaking heart heartbreakers chasing that trophy. Uh, but I've tested a fair amount of cards, but not as many as you would think. It's just the list is so packed and so tight. Uh, so mm -hmm. I've tried initially I had Serum Visions, which I still think is a great card, but I, I prefer Chandler over Serum Visions. But, you know, I think there is there is an argument that maybe Serum Visions is better in cases. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that the previous iteration did not have black before Wishlot. Wishlot Talisman is essentially the flex spots. Everything like Wishlot Talisman and Dragon Raid Chandler and then maybe Brainstone. Other cards I really consider flex spots. Uh, everything else is I would I consider fairly locked. You know, maybe Rebukes can be on Holy Heats. Uh, but so because of that, I've tried Noxious Revival in the place of Wishlaw Talisman, uh, which is, you know, it's a free spell because Zach always makes a good point that these 
these breach decks they don't have a way to find breach again unless you have like unless you have luris like it's in your graveyard like your breach is gone and that's not great uh, and so it's, yeah. oh you know noxious revival it's cute it you know gets your breach back it you can go do cool bobble tricks with it it's also just randomly nice if you just have to you know you just need to buy a turn and you you can just use it on an opponent's fetch land put a fetch land on top of their deck and you know kind of like time walk them in a sense which was actually comes up more often than I would imagine, but that's that's I think that's, you have to play him a number like three. So I tried Noxious Revival and it was solid. You know I was happy with it, uh, but yeah, I tried something. You know then I switched to Wishlock Talisman, which I think I'm even happier with. Uh, the two things I want to mention is that so there is a debate in you know breaching uh, Emery or Luris essentially. You know Luris is as we all know is a fucked up Magic card. Luris is also a great way to get Underworld Breach back from your graveyard. Uh, and so I've messed, but at the cost of it is, you know, no Brazen Bar doesn't matter so much, but no Emery's. And so I actually did mess a whole bunch with different color combinations, cutting Emery's, adding Luris. And the one, the two issues I have with Luris is that Emery is, you know, so good. Like there's so many times where you're just in a situation just like, okay, I don't know what I can do to win this. And you draw a card and it's Emery. It's like, okay, you know, now there's a win in sight. Like now a line exists because Emery was the draw which is just very powerful in and of itself. The other, another reason is that Emery really increases your, the speed of your kills. So, you know, like the turn, you, can, you can't actually do a turn three kill without Emery in the deck, I don't think. I don't think it's, unless actually you, you could, if you, had, if you played in Unearth, you actually could. So that's, but otherwise, you know, like Emery just opens up so many other quick lines and is just so good with Mox Amber and everything. It's just, it's a, it's a huge price to pay not having access. Sure, you get to be a little bit more grindy, but, you know, you still are a little bit weak to all the hates. Like, you know, you don't gain too much on it. And then, you know, you just lose kind of like your speed kill. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if people want to mess with Lurus more, I definitely, you know, <laughs> I can only do so much testing. I'm only one person. I can only test a couple leagues at, a, you know, like maybe two leagues a day max. And that's if I, you know, kind of use my whole day, which I don't like to do. Uh, so... You know, I think I think overall Emery is better than Luris, at least for this version. But you know, maybe if people want to iterate, uh, and I do want to mention that this is a you know it's a combo deck. Like you're kind of comboish control. Uh, the lack of interaction, like we've talked about, is an issue. Hate bears are bad. You know, opponent goes turn two Eidolon. Not great. <laughs> Not great. Eesh. Now now we're digging for like Aether Spell Bomb, and maybe you know sometimes you can just have you have those double saga hands where you just get there which is pretty sweet saga saga is huge and the other one part of this deck is knowing when to go saga versus breach you know like because especially as zach has noted too on his stream iteration and saga are awkward as hell if you play a saga on turn two with iteration in hand you're not going to iteration until turn four or five probably assuming you want to get maximum value out of your constructs uh yep. then there's also, the fact that sometimes you don't even, you know, don't even need to get value out of Construct, out of uh, Urza Saga. I've actually found that my performance went a lot, that my Im results improved a lot when I kind of realized, you know, you don't always have to just make the Construct. Sometimes you just do it for the mana and the tutor. And yeah, it sucks to lose land be down a little bit, but, you know, like oftentimes, yeah, I was actually pretty surprised. Uh, so that was kind of the level up moment for me, uh, which kind of emphasizes that these combo decks and I think it's pretty similar to how Zach and the Velomachius deck too just reps 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 I I do think that this is one of the um saga decks that is actually like really good with saga because you can fetch the mox amber and hopefully mm -hmm. have it enabled I know that there's only the four emery's to enable it but um 
I've been playing uh, an affinity list in Legacy, and the most common line for tutor when you know the saga pops is to go get a Mox Opal. Oh and yeah, being able to like get that land back you know either you, you could grab a spring leaf drum and i know other decks do that but the fact that you can grab a mox amber is also pretty handy and in this deck in particular where you want mox ambers to loop um yep, yep. yeah i think it's just uh that's that's like a nice clean fit you don't even need you know i know you have a couple other little hits here like the aether spell bomb and the brainstone but it almost feels like you know, you could probably do without those a little bit, and just having Ambers and the Springleaf is, like, solid. Um, yeah, yeah. you said you like the Aether Spellbomb, and I, I, I do like the little tutor package there, but, uh, yeah, this just feels clean. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very clean, and, you know, that's a, that is a good point. Oftentimes that, you know, like, oh, I have the Emery, and I have, you know, I have the combo, but I don't have a zero CMC thing, and Saga floating for mana and grabbing your Amox Amber that you need to complete the loop. Uh, it's been very relevant. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've been loving this deck, doing very well. I would, I don't always say, like, you know, I recommend these brews. Like, I'll be honest, we've had some pretty bad brews. I'll recommend them <laughs> if, you know, like, this deck is fun. Don't expect to win, but expect to have fun. Uh, but this is, you know, like, I would say, like, if you if you like combo, if you like spell-based combo control and, you know, haven't, are curious about it, I, I endorse this deck. I think if you actually want to play combo and win i think this is you know even zach played it he three two and then he made some modifications to a four one which is like that's solid you know seven three is 70 percent win rate which is you know i mean how many times i think my changes might have made the deck worse yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> um or at least not mar not markedly better which i'll talk about in a second yeah and so so just to kind of emphasize uh you know the big the bad matchups are the black red x especially the spike brews uh, you know, so Red Black has Voidwalker mm -hmm. and Discard and a Clock, which is, you know, you can't actually beat a Voidwalker on the board unless you Saga them out and they play three Colgans command, so nothing matters anyways. Uh, and then Dress Down Shadow, like I said, Dress Down is so freaking bad. Like, it is so brutal against this deck. It just, when they two for what you spend, like, your first three turns just making two Constructs and then they just Dress Down and it's, the game is over. It is so bad. I don't, I hate it. I'm actually... I would probably bring in the spell pierces in that matchup just to make sure you can get the dress down, even though it's terrible because you li dress down is just that bad for you. So, you know, maybe with experimental sideboarding, it can be a little bit better. Uh, the best matchups, though, are control and spell-based combo. Uh, you know, just like being a combo deck with some control elements really puts you at a huge advantage in the spell-based combo mirror. Uh, I'd, I'd say Hammer Time and Blue Red Merktide are relatively even. You know, I mean, Hammer Time, can they can both not draw you, but you've got a pretty good counterplay. Uh, you know, Aether Spell Bomb is just really makes Hammer Time's life so bad. You have three EEs in the board for when you need them. Uh, I've actually, and hopefully Zach can touch on this, I've never managed to face Elementals in the queues with this, which is kind of insane because I have 60 plus matches, and I've yet to run into Elementals. Uh, Zach somehow beats them, but I can't imagine it's a great matchup. I mean, my personal inclination is that it's a very good game one. Um, they're not set up to interact with anything that you're doing in game one. Do they not even have all. Endurance's main deck? Nope, not usually. Maybe one that they have to Flamekin Harbinger for. And you can beat a single Endurance in theory. Um, now, I didn't have to. Uh, maybe <laughs> the elemental pilot that I was against was less experienced. I'm not sure. Um but uh, I, I think, generally speaking, it's going to be a good game one. 
for the reasons that Tron has a good game one. Mm. You, you are a linear combo deck that's not relying on your creatures to exist or do anything. Like, yes, Emery's great when she goes online and starts generating card advantage, but a lot of your draws you can just... Especially, Elementals has such a slow clock. I think their fastest possible kill is, like, turn five. Um, but most games, especially when you're sitting there playing blue-red cards, they're waiting for you to, like, set up to Murktide and stuff. And if they don't get a good read on you quickly... Mm. Um, sometimes they've set themselves up for a game where they're going to go turn six or seven kill at the fastest. Uh, my opponent had turn one sprawl, turn two risen reef. I think every single game, uh, and I and I won that match uh, in three. But still, um, you know, it was uh, yeah. Um, so, and and to the to the. To, to the point of uh, 60 matches is not enough to hit every archetype in Modern, even some of the more popular ones, just because there are, like, 60 playable archetypes in Modern right now. It's crazy. Um, and obviously the more popular ones you will see more often, but um, I think Elementals has been pushed out pretty hard by Tron at this point. Amazing. I do want to mention that you've made a really good point. Another benefit of playing this deck, people will misplay against you all the time. Like, it is oh, crazy. Yeah. They have no idea what... People just don't know how to deal with Breach. Like, you know, it's just such a weird... And I don't blame them. It's such a weird... It's a very strange combo deck. Tax on a bunch of different axes. But, you know, I've had people... <laughs> I've had people counter... Like, Control will counter your grinding station. And you're like, awesome. You know, I, <laughs> I'll i play that with Breach when I draw the Breach. Now you have one less counter spell. I was playing against... Uh, in paper, I played against a Grixis uh, Dressed Down Shadow player. And I actually won because I casted Breach and they let that resolve. And I had a rebuke in my graveyard, and then when I tried to Emery, they casted uh, Dress Down, and so I could escape the rebuke yep. from my graveyard, which felt good, yep. but nice. also didn't feel great because it's like you know I don't deserve this matchup. But you know, well, we, I mean, we take those people. People lose to onboard tricks, and it's it's. I understand your exact feeling of like I don't deserve this win, but uh, that's like, just stuff that happens left, right, and center. Oh yeah, right? no, no. I mean, the, I was happy. I was happy that I won. I was just sad <laughs> that my deck did not win technically. Yeah. Right, but, like you're in in an ideal scenario you you should have lost. Yeah, yeah. The number of yeah. times that having uh an artifact land in Wurza that my opponent just totally overlooked as being not an artifact and it's like they go to shatter, you know, my whatever, they go to try and uh uh exile the sword while it's in the graveyard thinking I have no other artifacts to sacrifice and then I sacrifice my land and they're like, "Wait a minute. Can I read that?" And they're like, uh, Got I thought him. that was a watery grave. Like, yep, nope. yep. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. So, but, like, you feel bad because it's just, it's a new card and people aren't used to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think, so, overall, I would say that's kind of my thoughts on the Breach deck. I'm going to keep tinkering and iterating. You know, this is the deck I'm going to be playing in paper now. And I do got to say, is this deck has made me fall in love with modern again and especially like falling in love with the deck where it feels very similar to how i felt with five color niv when you know it was dan moore damon and i lanny and i and i like a couple others like in the trenches when we were playing our hunt master Captain of the Mordekaiser. yeah yeah and of course of course our good buddy mord who you know just like arguing over astro i'm sad because i wasn't hooked up with you guys yet but i was out there too at the same time i know um, yeah you are you're you're an innovator also one of the ogs you just weren't on the discord yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think I was an innovator. I think I was just someone who was putting it out there into the world. Hey, that um, counts. At this with, point, it in, was so rogue. In paper play and yeah, in in paper play and on my stream, you can actually see all my early streams were on Five Color Niv um, for like the first couple weeks. Didn't you top eight a challenge that. on Five Color Niv also? 
I uh, not online. I, I didn't play any online channels. I I did top eight several paper events, um, but they were like one Ks in Toronto. Um, but I, I definitely was the person for Toronto that put five color Niv on the map. Like nice. I, I think no one. I never saw anyone playing that deck until I was playing that deck. And ironically, people uh, even when they saw me playing it, they would they would say like, "Well, yeah, he's winning with it, but like, it's not really. It's it's a meme. Like, don't worry about it, guys. Like, it's you you yeah, you can win games with it, but like, whatever." And then like a couple months later, um, the the meta game hit that spot where five color Niv was the nuts. Yep. Um, and it was the top deck for a couple weeks. Man, yeah. Uh, so, so you know. anywho, uh, so my my league with uh, your build. And then uh, my changes. So uh, I ran your stock list. I went 3-2. But um, two, so my two losses were to just terribly unfortunate situations. I actually looked back at the black-white Poxblade deck I played against. Um, game one, they just resolved, like, Dothy Voidwalker on turn two, and I couldn't do anything, and I died. Um, technically, you had we had the out of Brazen Borrower or Aether Spellbomb, but they were able to put on enough pressure that, uh, that I wasn't able to do that. Um, also, they were playing Pox and, like, Dothy Voidwalker and Stoneforge Mystic and other creatures, and that's just... What? I'm Realistically, <laughs> that deck is not very strong. Um, I think you got to pick your lane with black-white decks, and if you're going to be a Pox deck, you need to play as few creatures as possible for the most part, and if you are a non-Pox deck, you should probably be playing Grief Ephemerate. Um Again, it's just me being opinionated about losing to a mediocre deck. Um, I feel that. And in game two, I lost. Um, and actually, looking back at it, 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 we we almost definitely could have won. But there were a couple tough spots where it's like, well, I have to... Like, I don't have enough mana to win this turn, so I have to either try to dodge, discard, or vindicate. And I played one way, and they had to vindicate. And it's like, all right, well, okay. It's like, yeah. sometimes you're just going to lose that way. Um, so, was- you know... I was watching that, and you were like, well, if they have exactly Vindicate, I lose here. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, they had exactly Vindicate. Always. They, they play four of it now. And I, honestly, for a while with Modern, I was like, like losing to Vindicate, oh my god, like that is like the most inefficient spell in the format. Um, but actually having played some of, more of the black-white decks, they really need that card. Um, because it solves so many different issues that that deck has, and because of the sort of Jun style gameplay of getting the whole thing very low resources, um, just having a universal solution for any one card is really important for that deck. The, the fact that it is super tempo negative in a bunch of matchups just doesn't matter. Like, in most games uh, of Modern, you would not be happy to vindicate a Dragon's Rage Chandler. But in the games that you generate... Um, playing that deck you are actually happy to do that so um context always matters anyway <laughs> uh played against like little kid green white value town um we won that one that was actually the only game where we won with constructs that was the only game in the entire league i won with constructs um and i i mean it was like loxodon smiter wilt leaf liege nice deck. Um, so I'm, they and they won a game too. Um, actually, technically they were Abzan because I think the game they won was with, with the Siege Rhino. Um, but you know they they were basically like a mediocre beatdown deck with like no interaction, so that was pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, then I I played against M Hayashi and I thought I was going to be in big trouble, and he was actually on his mono white deck. So um, for those who do not know, content creator and mid mid range red deck pioneer M Hayashi, he's very well known for a mono red mid range deck, but he actually has. 
five decks that he plays regularly, one of each color, all monocolored. And, uh, <laughs> he was on his white deck, which is, it's like Taxes Light. Um, but uh, the game he beat me in, game two, he crushed me with like Field of Ruins for my sagas and like Archon of Valor's, uh, no, not Valor's Reach, uh, Archon of Myria, um, just some of the Taxes creatures. Um, but overall, I was able to play through it. Um, in the whole match. And then uh, we lost to Affinity. They, they had a game one nut draw that was just pretty unbeatable. Yeah, they killed you like, on, they, on turn three. On turn they had four. two 12-12 constructs and just like a board full yeah. of nonsense. It was nuts. Yeah, it was it was nutty, um, which is fine. You know, sometimes you lose to there. And then in game three, they had double Pithing Needle, double Tormod's Crypt, which I think we were all sitting there being like, oh my God, like I can't, like we could play through the first three, but not the fourth one. We were... And they were just... We were arguing they about were whether we should play around them having double crypt or double needle. pything needle, and they had yeah. double both. And then they had both, yeah. So it's like, all right, we're gonna lose that one. And then uh, match five, we actually two owed hammer time, which I thought was pretty uh, interesting. I was, it was not exactly the way I would expect it to go, but uh, Arun says that's actually pretty standard. I do gotta mention too that the game two that you won versus Affinity, they had they also had one crypt and one needle, which you won through both. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Yep, we won through both uh, Crypt and Needle. And I, I would say overall, I was actually really surprised with this deck being able to play through Hate. Um, one of the things I did a lot was Wishclaw Talisman for the one of Brazen Borrower. Um, mm -hmm. I almost, almost feel like we could play, I don't know, like an Ancient Grudge or something as a one of that's like just slightly more efficient for killing artifacts or something like that. But... It's just like a feeling that I had is like that was really good, and the fact that it costs two mana, like I, I don't know, I don't actually know if we can improve on Brazen Borrower as 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 a slot, um, but or maybe we could fit in one more toolboxy thing that like occasionally you just need the one of thing, yeah, and then you get it. I'm sure. Um, so that that's definitely something that people can improve on um i thought brainstone was pretty mediocre uh, i'm not sold on it there was one game that i definitely won because i had a brainstone and an expressive iteration and i double dug through to find the breach and win the game on the spot nasty um, so that, we play yeah, legacy boys yeah basically um so i thought the deck was fine but i wanted to try some tweaks that fit my mental picture of one of the directions the deck could go. So I have a picture of it here. Basically, I, I swapped out all the Dragon's Rage Channelers because if you'll notice in my talking about all those matches, uh, I didn't mention the Dragon Rage Channeler once. Um, there was one game where I had it with a Shadow Spear and then it got killed. Um, so I was trying to win a mid-range game that way while maybe finding my combo and my mid-range plan, plan died with that Channeler as well as my hopes and dreams and I never found the combo. So... Just generally speaking, I didn't find Dragon's Rage Chandler doing anything that impressed me in that whole league. Um, there was one game I had double Chandler on turn two, and it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter at all, and I was boarding them out all the time. So, And then iteration was so brutally, painfully awkward. I mean, I know that that card is good. I hear people say it. I watch people do it. Um, but I have played a lot of decks with it where I found it to be incredibly awkward, even, even decks where people are saying it's good. Um, so I, I just swapped those for Serum Visions. I swapped, uh, Dragon's Rage Chandlers for Spellskites. Uh, I found Spellskite to be very impressive in a couple of different, uh, artifact-based decks that I've played Love recently. Spellskite. Especially one with Urza, uh, Urza and Emery, um, because it 
acts as a lightning rod for your super valuable creatures, uh, as well as your super valuable artifacts. Uh, it means your opponent can't Coligan's command you. Um, that'll only kill the Spellskite. And if you have a Welding Jar, it's going to kill nothing, just the Welding Jar. Um, so that was the idea. I put a Welding Jar in, um, and basically I said, listen, I, I'm not into this mid-range plan, and if the mid-range plan is going to be anything, it's going to be solely off the Constructs, which was the only way I won a mid-range game in the previous league, so I felt like I wasn't too far off base to do that. Um, this league ended up going 4-1. Um, I don't actually think... It was very much based on the tweaks that I made <laughs> with the asterisk that it is very hard to understand sometimes what your spell skite is doing to your opponent because there's hidden information. Yep. So um, it's really hard to track all the things that could have happened if you didn't have the spell skite sitting in play um, saying to them, like, you have to deal with me first. So my spell skites definitely ate some prismatic endings that could have been saved for grinding stations. Uh, it ate lightning bolts. Uh, I won my match against Burn because I had a double spell skite draw and they just were blocking goblin guides and eating rift bolts. Um, against Burn, spell skite turns every three damage bolt that you can into a two damage bolt, which is a big deal. Um, so uh that was that was pretty impressive sounds and, sweet um, i would love to crush burn with spell skite it was and i i mean i don't want to toot my own horn on this but serum visions was way smoother than expressive iteration i mean it just was it's less powerful i totally admit that but i was very happy to play serum visions in most in most situations. You do have to be careful with it in this deck because you're milling the top of your own deck a lot. So setting up the scry is like kind of questionable sometimes, but you also have Mishra's Bobble. So there's a lot of decision points to playing with those cards together uh, in this particular deck list. Um, so uh, I have a note with my matchups. Um, Brian has a comment though. So yeah, we'll I was gonna ask, do you think that either Underworld Gaze or Consider would be a, uh, a consideration for uh, <laughs> either of those slots? Uh, yeah, Consider definitely could be. Uh, it gives you card selection and you can fill your graveyard with it a little bit. Um, Arun, I assume you, you generally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like, pick your, like, Serum... I would probably play Serum Visions over it because just the digging three deep is super valuable, whereas the Consideration only mm -hmm. gets two... And like filling up your graveyard with that extra card is nice, but you know, it's not super nice. It's not as, I guess it also depends too. Like maybe if you don't run Chandler, uh, consider it would be a better option because like that helps. But you know, Chandler helping to fill up your graveyard too, like, you know, you don't, you only need to fill up so much now. You don't, it's not like the previous breach decks where every single card in your graveyard mattered because you know, you used to be so limited on putting cards in your graveyard that when you breach, you know, you had to make sure that you have enough cards to do it. Like now it's much easier, so I don't know if it's necessary, but I do think it's absolutely worth testing. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I, th I would say the most important thing is it's worth testing. The fact that it's an instant shouldn't be ignored either, because it means you can hold up your interactive piece. So if mm -hmm. you're playing Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat, or uh, Metallic Rebuke, or Spell Pierce, or whatever in your main deck, um, there will be times where the fact that it's an instant is super valuable. Mm. Um, yeah. So. It's definitely worth trying out. So um, the second league, uh, I started off against Tron, crushed Tron, crushed them, yeah. 2-0. It was, it was gross. Um, I mean, I had a Metallic Rebuke both games in places where I needed. Um, they made a really questionable decision in game two. <laughs> they mulliganed to four, and they led on Forest Chalice of the Void. Um, and I had not boarded in my Engineered Explosives, 
but then they proceeded to on turn two play like blast zone into like ancient stirrings or something like that and they just like they went all in on a single piece of hate to try to disrupt me and uh, I ended up combo killing them anyway, plus having Metallic Rebuke for the one O-Stone they played that was, like, mildly threatening. And they nice. didn't even have enough mana to activate it yet, but uh, I just, like, I didn't want to risk that resolving. It's all about sending a um, message, so that was, Zach. Yeah, we, we stopped that. Then I hit Mono White Taxes, like, a real Mono White Taxes. And this was, like, super worrisome. Um, there was a game where they had Thalia, Archon of Myria, and Esper Sentinel. That was their curve. They went turn one Sentinel, turn two Thalia, turn three Archon of Myria. And we won that game. That was a game we won. Because we had uh, uh, Wishclaw for um, Brazen Borrower. And we had the Unholy Heats that I had sideboarded in. And we went end of turn, Petty Theft, the Archon. Now I can cast a second spell, kill your Thalia, untap and kill you. Nice. So, yeah, it was, you know, their, their beatdown plan is not that fast. Um, if they had had a Giver of Runes or an Ephemerate there, I would have lost. And they didn't. But it was surprisingly winnable. Uh, I, I was really, really blown away by uh, by how well he did. Then I played against Grixis Luris and went uh, double loss in about five minutes. Oh yeah, uh, it was not competitive. Uh, although game one they did draw triple Drown in the Lock plus Snapcaster Mage uh, after having some early discards. So yeah, I mean they they had the three three Dragons Rage Channeler on like turn three, and then they just backed it up with uh, triple Drown in the Lock plus Snapcaster Mage. It's... So. That was tough. It's kind of like the um, anti-buy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hit burn. already talked about that one. And then we hit elementals. This was the... Again, I'm not sure if this elemental player was playing optimally or sideboarding optimally at all. I mean, that is very difficult, especially if you don't really understand your opponent's deck. But in game three, I think I gave them two Wishclaw Talismans that they never used. I saw um, that. That was amazing. It was, it was really goofy. I... I, so my hypothesis at the time was most of the hate pieces they can get with this are sorcery speed other than endurance. And most of the cards they can get to try to kill me are either going to require them to tap out or aren't even going to kill me this turn. Um, the, the, the way elementals can do the most damage is either like Omnath into a couple of bodies and attack you next turn, or they have a bunch of lines where they have like Omnath, Risen Reef, Ephemerate, and they uh, third trigger their Omnath multiple times in the same turn. They Ephemerate to reset the Omnath counter. Mm. Um, so I've seen Canister do that a couple times, but it is actually quite complicated to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if most players playing elementals wouldn't see the line. They actually did it to me in game two. So they, they, they were clearly aware that they could do stuff like that, but it also it requires a lot of setup. You kind of have to have like two Risen Reefs in play. It's, 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 it's possible, but it's not easy. Um, so yeah, uh, my thoughts on my version of the deck was that Serum Visions felt like a huge improvement on Expressive Iteration to me. Um, and that Spellskite was interesting. I don't know how useful it was, but it, it seemed like it had done some okay work. Um, the problem is it's not really something you can tutor for, and so you kind of have to play it as a four of if you want to play it at all. Uh, maybe it's a good sideboard card. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely would take a lot of iteration to sort of solve that part. Um, I love the idea. I think it's great I, that you tested it. I def I'm going to at least yeah. put one in my sideboard, and I'll, I'll definitely mess with it in my lists also. So my conclusion about this deck was I'm pretty sure we should be playing white um, for mm. Prismatic Ending at the bare minimum and Deferi Time Raveler uh, as a sort of obvious option of a good choice. 
And also, and I know Jiggy's very much on this sort of build, um, but I don't even know if this is a good Urza Saga deck. I really don't. Um, this league as well, I basically didn't have many mid-range wins with Urza Saga, and it didn't really feel like it was a competitive card to be playing in this archetype. Uh, it just, it just didn't seem to add all that much, and the threat of getting wear-teared early in the game, that happened in a couple games I lost, um, and stone-raining yourself on turn three, four, or five in a couple of games, it just... It just didn't seem to be pulling its weight, in my opinion. Um, although, I, like, I love Urza Saga. I like playing Urza Saga, but I usually play it in more mid-rangey decks that aren't combo decks. And I've played a bunch of Grilled Cheeses, uh, Gorios, Vengeance, Through the Breach deck that uses Saga. And the reason that deck uses Saga is Saga gets Cookbook, and Cookbook is one of your combo pieces. This deck, you're get, maybe you can get one of your zero drops, but that's not realistically something that you usually need to try to do that hard. Um... So, again, that's just my feeling. Um, but I also have a, a proposed list here um, that is rough. I haven't tried it at all, but it's playing four Dragon's Rage Channeler, three Ragavan, three Lightning Bolt in the main deck. So, and, and this version, I think, is a better Saga deck because it is playing the sort of Sagavan core with the combo elements around it. Um, this version, I left Iteration in the deck for now, um, but <laughs> Ragavan gives you more mana with which to support that. So I think this deck has a more realistic shot at having a okay mid-range plan um, versus the one that you had proposed. Um, so just just some thoughts. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I don't, yeah, uh, this is just where my instant takes me. Is like, okay, let's say we really do want to keep that mid-range plan. Like, what does it take to make that work? I think this is closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, versus my, my other version, which was pushing more in the combo-centric space. Yeah, you know, just need need to test everything and see. You know, it's funny you mentioned that I've, you know, I've I found Saga to be so good for me and like almost indispensable. But you know, there is like mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. I've also been blown out many times because I'm running Saga. But at the same time, you know, like they'll open with a rest in peace since I have a double Saga hand. It's like okay, you know, like we're gonna I know what I need to do right now, and the answer is not breach. Right, but I mean, I think by playing things like Prismatic Ending or Teferi, uh, these are more universal answers for everything. Because the other thing about Prismatic Ending, in my opinion, that would really be a bump up in terms of your interactive slot if you're not playing a mid-range plan, is just being able to deal with turn one Aether Vials, turn one Cookbooks, turn one Utopia Sprawls, turn one Birds of Paradise. I mean, it hits all of these things on turn one. And there are a number of decks floating around in Modern right now which have gone back to the old school way of being like a little bit more linear and a little bit more fragile than what we were seeing before. Um, but then it also has use against the mid-range decks. So I, you yeah. know, we, we have a little bit more of a ships in the night Modern, a little bit more drag race. We're back to uh, a lot of game twos, game threes that come down to, I drew my hate card. It's okay, I drew my anti-hate card. And they're like, oh, but I drew my anti-hate, anti-hate card. And it's like, oh, damn. Combo. Um, yeah, I mean, so, and I think white gives you some good tools for that if you want to be in a more combo-centric yeah, uh, version. I um, I think we could we should li link Diablo XSC's uh, most recent challenge finish here because they were playing a Jeskai version with no sagas, and I think that illustrates that build. Uh, I don't know if you need anyone needs to do more work on that, or or if that's kind of the most maximum that that can be. But yeah, it's just just food for thought. Definitely. I mean, I like ending a lot. I mean, 
I like Teferi. I, I just fucking hate putting that card in my deck. It's so boring. It's just like so like the gameplay is not good. It it you know, I don't know, I just I hate it. It's just like I feel I feel forced to, you know, like it's not like like oh you don't get to play cards, you like get to play dumb, powerful cards that are, you know, mistakes. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, but it's just one of those things of like this. There, there's, it's a universal answer for all all permanent types, basically. Yeah, um, that so could fucked. Be problematic for you. I know, but it's just one of those things of like, if you want to make the deck as good as it can be in its core uh, interaction, which is you know what is the best house for grinding breach to live in, um, it is possible that that is one of the best avenues to pursue. However, that deck clearly doesn't have a great backup plan. As you said, it is more vulnerable to hate. If they resolve their hate and keep it, you don't have a way to win. You just don't. Um, and this deck does. And if that's appealing to you, then that's great. Um, but I think uh, I'll, I'll borrow from the governator here um, that sometimes the right way to think about a deck is uh, I hate plan B. Um, sometimes the right way to build a deck is just say, I don't have a plan B. I have a plan A, and I know it's crazy to hear me say this. Yeah, yeah, this is normally what I say. Here, <laughs> right, but sometimes, but sometimes it's the right thing to do, right? Definitely. Sometimes it's right to just say, I don't know, I don't have a plan B. If you if you beat my plan A, uh, I'm dead. But uh, that means I can put as much effort as possible into shoring up my plan A. Um, I think there are a lot of players out there who are specialists of these kind of ar archetypes. Sodek comes to mind. I've never seen Sodek play a deck that uh, doesn't lose to some specific kind of hate. Um, and uh, and he's a very successful player um, based on being very good at that. And uh, so that is something that you can choose for your specialty or even just for a deck. Like, yep. I lose to these cards, but I don't lose to these cards. Exactly. That is the modern we live in. Yeah, yeah. Or you can be like me and you always want to split the difference and play a mid-range deck of some kind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. I've got a couple questions for you. Um, you've always been pretty hyped on this deck. Do you think that either, like, is it new cards that have sort of reinvigorated you or is it just a meta shift that has reinvigorated you? Um, I mean, you do have a pretty good mix of, like, new and sort of, like, existing shell in there, so it, it's kind of hard to tease apart, like, what has changed. Yeah, I, so for me, I think it's definitely the new cards. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, for me, is Urza Saga, that the biggest, the whole reason why I was on, like, Grixis, why I think Grixis is our breach, I was actually doing well for, you know, maybe, like, a week or two, was that Amulet was doing really well, and so everybody's preferred graveyard combination hate was Ashiok. Uh, and the Grixis Lazar Breach deck was very good at beating an Ashiok because you could just like really quickly, you could get a Lazav down, copy a Kroxa, and then Ashiok is useless. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, just the, the biggest, it, the, the, uh, losing with that deck, you know, they go rest in peace, just the hate was just so much, you know, not having a very good plan B to those things like that. And Saga for me is, you know, like now we can, now we do have a pretty decent plan B that also has slight synergy with the plan A. It makes our mana clunky and awkward. Uh, but, you know, having this plan B is just so useful because, you know, the veil, the floor was you lose to graveyard hate. And this, like, you know, you pr pretty much almost guaranteed to lose to graveyard hate, especially before prismatic ending also. Uh, but now with Saga, you know, like, that's no longer, the floor has been raised. And then expressive iteration is also pretty cracked. I think that was definitely a big, at least, you know, for me and for this deck, when realized that, oh, you know, everyone's doing expressive iterations, I should add them too. And they've been super good. So I would say that it's mostly been new cards and just keeping things in the back of my head. And, you know, just loving this style, like, okay, like, let's try something new. 
and you know it's been working awesome so if you could have like a mythical card printed in the the next next in set like what is it that you feel that this deck is missing that like we should be on the lookout for uh some a way to generate a way to go up on mana when you have zero for free so for instance mox opal used to be able to do this where you could cast mox opal from your mm. graveyard and if you had two artifacts in play now it taps for mana like the one issue is no matter what when you start grinding comboing with this deck you need to have at least one blue open and if you have one blue open then you need to have enough cards in your graveyard to both escape a second zero cmc artifact and then to escape an emery so your emery costs one and now you can go up to two mana for thassa's oracle uh so that the issue you know one of the weaknesses is that if you start grinding with zero available mana without an emery and on the battlefield you cannot win uh anymore you know so a card like mox opal or something that does that uh, would actually, you know, that'd be that'd be a huge benefit. Um, uh, I mean, I think that'd probably be the biggest thing. Could I interest you in Strike It Rich or um, uh, I don't know what else makes mana? I guess Strike It Rich or Burgi. I know that you've played with Burgi though, and she's expensive. So if you like, that doesn't really get you started if you're chaining. But Strike It Rich being one mana to make a treasure i don't know i guess do you end up in situations where you have red available but not that blue available no pretty much never okay all right so then strike it rich is probably not a good option yeah yeah another big thing i mean it's actually kind of interesting because the deck is very mana hungry so like i'm, I'm you know I've, I've messed around a little bit maybe i should try in some flex spots but yeah and i think the big thing or the other thing that might be interesting is some kind of like new one cmc blue legend or mm, a sure. zero, you know, like a think of what's the Commander Legends thing? The oh, they zero can't do that. They the can't print one of those. Yeah, like the, the kobold. Yeah. Oh, the kobold would be fine in modern. It's literally a zero one. Yeah, but a blue kobold. It, if it were a blue kobold. Right, right. Uh, that I, would also be the nuts. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, they mm. probably shouldn't, but you know, whatever. <laughs> They've done work. They printed Oko. You know, if you have to ban it, that's fine. I'm just curious. Well, but you know what they would do? They would ban Mox Amber, and then we would be, you know, without... We'd be Moxless. We would have Tantalite. Don't say that. How dare you? <laughs> uh, well, then, my last question, or I, I have two more. Actually, uh, any interest in Den of the Bugbear as uh, no. another sort of... Okay. All right. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh but uh, I mean, Saga Saga gives you uh, a mana sink, which is great. Uh, it does give you uh, a, a different way to pressure people. I just think we need to we need to um, if you if you want to play it and and have a realistic mid range plan, you have to do something like the last build I proposed here. So um, just because I I just don't I, I don't really understand. I mean, I didn't run into any of the hard control matchups like Wafo control pile, like Chalice control, whatever you want to call it, uh, or anything like that. So um, maybe Saga is what's giving you such a leg up there is that you have a lot more time to do that. Whereas yep. most of the matchups I played in, you don't have time to do that. And making a construct, especially in game one, you're just giving them a target for their unholy heat, which they didn't have a target for otherwise. Yep, so you're yep. wasting your time in a very inefficient way. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the big things is knowing, you know, when is it okay to just let the saga die and get value like that? You don't always have to construct, which is hard and tricky and strange. 
Right. I, I just in in a lot of those tempo matchups, you're you're basically getting nothing out of that. You're stone raining yourself to get like a brainstone. That's just yeah, not yeah. a good trade. And not yeah. ideal. Um, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, again, despite not feeling uh, super powerful, I mean, I managed seven three on the day and uh, a lot of crazy wins out of nowhere. Uh, a lot of wins that I I was really surprised by, like the one against Burn, where I, I literally went down to one life and I was able to beat them. Um, so <laughs> that was pretty incredible. Uh, it definitely so good. Yeah, and I, I'm not even as experienced as you. Uh, I don't feel like I let any games really slip through, you know. Uh, I, I know for sure there was, like, one premature concession, if it, and it was like, oh, I could have topped the borrower and then maybe one more draw, and I could yeah, have you're, there. I'm, and there, there were other games where my last draw of the game before I lost was, like, a breach, and it's like, oh, we just win. Yay. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, um, happens all the time. So, yeah, when watching you, yeah. I thought you played well, you know. Sometimes I'll watch you play these breach decks and it hurts, but I think you know you found you found your mojo, your breach mojo again. I thought you were playing it very well. I mean, and and the previous time I I think I was playing badly and I still three two. So like realistically, I, it, it's been it's been this deck can carry you uh, as long as you understand the baseline interactions. Uh, it is it is a very powerful interaction, and there is definitely space in modern for it. I mean, your overall record shows is like for sure this deck is not unplayable. Um, it's it's not popping up because there's not a lot of people playing it. Um, with two or three other people behind you, I'm sure you guys would be uh, trophying probably about as average as the uh, the Susurus prison variants, those colorless prison decks with uh, Mystic Forge. Those those are in like every other dump, and I, I think there's like actually three or four people who are fans of that deck. That's why. Um, whereas this one, it's basically only you out there. <laughs> Me and Diablo fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So yeah, breach, have... breaching for a new tomorrow. Woo! Yeah, love Hell it. Once, yeah. Ag- once again, you know, this deck has made me fall in love with modern and ma- and modern magic again, which is very exciting. You know, it's, it's great to be in love with your deck. I feel like for me, that's the ultimate goal of magic. Follow your heart, Jiggy. Your degenerate, degenerate heart. Yeah, embrace it. You know, be proud. I'm a combo degen. Deal with it. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Well. uh Zach, I think it's about that time. Oh, it's time? I it's, think time it's time for Bumps and Dumps, baby! Live, here, right right now. Um, Woo! Arun, I think you have so, yeah. some pent-up bumps and dumps that you should unleash on the world. Oh, yeah. I always have pumped-up bumps and dumps. Uh, so, first of all, uh, bumps to paper magic, and especially the gathering. You know, just so much better playing in front of a person and you know the banter instead of sitting in front of a screen and just wallowing getting very angry when they top deck the nuts two turns in a row it just feels so much less angry and better uh when it happens in paper than it does on magic online uh and then uh dumps to covid you know i know some people who have gotten them up uh, breakthrough delta cases uh so you're vaccinated and you still get the delta variant because it's just that bad uh they still had serious symptoms you know if they did if they weren't vaccinated they would probably be dead it's something to keep in mind that even if you get sick with COVID while you're, uh, while you're vaccinated, that like it would have been much worse. Uh, so please get the vaccine and uh, don't let your guard down. And I guess another bump to big change and you know big life changes. Uh, I'm ending my current position as a postdoc, which is kind of like a holding tank if you want to get into academia and do research. Uh, but I want to go into industry, and so my funding ends in December. And you know, like probably going to wind up moving back east coast. You know, big change and 
it's scary and it's exciting, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's nice, like, you know, it's un uncertainty, right? Like huge life change is like moving cross country, very small amount of time, very big changes. And I'm sure a whole bunch of people are going through that too. You know, like all big changes, most big changes happen pretty fast. Uh, so, you know, big bumps to just kind of going through the unknown and doing our best and hoping, you know, doing our best and hoping it works well. Well, I'm going to cross my fingers that you end up down here in Santa Cruz with me. That, I'm sorry, but like California is the last place on earth that we're going to live. <laughs> oh, sorry. You mean that like as the world starts to burn, California is the last place that you will end up before the world finally. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that, you know, especially with California being the epicenter of forest fires. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the water situation not looking good, too. That's where yeah. Skynet goes live. You can't go there. Yeah, yeah, that, too. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just reading this morning that we're in for another drought year, and um, yeah, things are good. Lord, yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I uh, I have been considering the East Coast migration back to my roots as well, just because it's a a lot cheaper, and b uh, they have water, and it's yeah. potable. <laughs> Funny how that works. Some places have thousands of lakes. Yeah, I'm I'm right next to a lake. It's right there. It's like uh, it's like 500 feet away. Is it a drinking lake? Can you drink it? No, well, I, I don't. I don't think that exists. <laughs> what about you, Zach? What's your bumps and dumps? Oh man, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give bumps to uh, the the judge community at large. Um, those people who who choose to engage in that, who have chosen to continue engaging in that. Um, so that there was infrastructure and support as we're coming back to paper play because, you know, we're just going to be, we're going to be just as rusty as the players, uh, in many instances. And I'm, I'm very lucky that I've stayed as hooked in as I have. Um, you know, a lot of my rules knowledge is still pretty fresh and, um, and I do my best to, uh, whenever I'm not sure of a question i mean like a hundred percent sure of a question i try to look it up in the in the comprehensive rules um and or the mtr or whatever just to make sure that i'm going to be ready and uh this week i got to do a little little boning up on uh, regular rel for the pre-releases make sure that everything goes smooth for everyone who's coming back exciting um, i'm just excited to bring like my live excited explosive energy back to a venue because i love shouting I really do. I when I was working as a, a tournament organizer for a store, uh, you know, starting up rounds and all that stuff, and and making sure it's as hype as possible was always one of my favorite things. Um, uh, I am gifted with a I don't know like a howitzer of a voice. Um, if I ever you know actually even when I want to be quiet, I'm not good at it. I'm just not. <laughs> um, my default is pretty loud. Fair, fair. Just I buy it. Natural. Yeah, math checks out. Natural showman. So, um, uh, specifically judge cast. I want to give a shout out to that. And if anyone wants to become a judge or is interested in what judges are, what judges do, any of that, uh, go listen to some of judge cast. Uh, they're funny, they're charismatic, and they're very, very knowledgeable. Um, I actually became a judge almost entirely um, from being a player first, and then just listening to episodes of judge cast, and then finding a, a local judge, and they sort of helped me smooth out. Um, the you know any edges that i needed and then i was right in and uh I, I think i am you hear stories of bad judges out there um they definitely exist in in some places and i don't want anyone to think that i'm excusing bad judges from being bad um but 
a, you know, it's just sometimes people slip through the cracks that way. But uh, these guys are out here trying to make make sure that the the next generation of judges is as good as possible. And the more the world is connected, the better that gets. Um, and I think it has. Heck yeah. The, the baseline quality is very high. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, that was that was way too bag. much talking from me. Yeah, yeah. So, One year in a bag, and uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll reconvene here next year after even more wonderful guest stars, crazy brews, revisiting old friends, and uh, and, may- and maybe there won't be a pandemic by the next year. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. All right. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, you too, Brian. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode 26 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord from the link from the episode description of your podcast player, or at serumvisions.podbean.com. Crisp is a honey crisp apple, baby. Ooh. Can't get enough of that honey crisp. No, sadly, honey crisps are like the best apples.